Man, it's uh, back again with Chase and Josh. Uh, last week we left you guys off. We were talking about uh, the football games and the uh, Giants took the big old L to the Bears and the Falcons gave up a lead to the Cowboys last Sunday. So uh, we've spent this past week uh, waiting for this Sunday so our teams can redeem themselves. Took a big loss with uh, Saquon going down uh, for the remainder of the year. You hate to see it, man. <laughs> hey, man, you know what I hate to see is 2017 all over again when you give up almost 28 points. <laughs> That's what I hate to see. So on the bright side, there is no bright side to someone getting hurt, but hopefully, you know, Saquon can come back next year better than ever. You got some better draft picks, but uh, the Falcons got to ride this one out. They don't have anyone hurt. So uh, nothing but a bad coach, which is probably as that's that's what's irreplaceable right there. Yeah, I think Dan Quinn's reached the end of that leash that they gave him. He's got to be on the hot seat. If they don't make the playoffs or like are anywhere close to it, I don't see them bringing him back next year. He was brought in to coach defense. <laughs> that's what you've had a problem with since 2012? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not... Um... Well, because like didn't I, he come from like the Legion of Boom, like Seattle? Isn't then he yeah, like helped put that team yeah. together? So they thought he was gonna be like a monster, like defensive coordinator <laughs> as a head coach. Yeah, yeah, you've been good one year, and that year was your offense that got you to the Super Bowl. Your defense was trash. So like, what <laughs> year have you been good? That's like a guy that makes all Fs, and then he's still basing his pride and glory prodigy year, saying we could get back to that based on something the other guy in the group project did for him and told him how to do it. So I don't know, man. I mean, you know, we talk about Quidditch on the show, not football, but sometimes. <laughs> I always like to bring it up there because I know last week we were talking about the games and stuff. And so, yeah, man, I mean, in terms of podcast related, this is a good good day for us for podcasting. <laughs> you know, our, our teams might be heading in the wrong direction. Hopefully they can pick up a W today. Uh, but in terms of podcasting, it's it's been nothing but great. And I know last week we tackled season three of Westworld episodes one, two, and three. Today we're gonna knock out episodes four, five, and six. And then next week, guys, we're actually gonna finish up with you with Westworld. We'll be all done with it and then take take it down by uh, season three, episodes seven and eight to close us out for Westworld before we jump into uh, our, our big arc to close out the year and, and Harry Potter, man. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Didn't, it con- didn't it feel like it kind of came fast compared to how long like our other our first big arc took us? Didn't it kind of feel like this one kind yeah. of flew through? No, and it, it's going to be cool going into um, the holidays with Harry Potter, with Halloween and stuff. Speaking of holidays, you know, Starbucks has that pumpkin spice frappuccino back, that <laughs> latte, baby. Uh, so I got one of those today, and I got the wine and dine so i'll be doing a little bit of the double dipping to keep me all uh enhanced for this showdown right. we're about to have today and next week <laughs> let's get ready, ready to, to rumble, rumble. Man, I love it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff brother shoot man uh what do you think do we do you want to get right into it start talking about season three episode four let's do it let's dive on in pool full of liquor and you're all diving. right man, <laughs> Let's get a little malice in the chalice and malice and give the, the people chalice, what they came baby. for, brother. Gotta give the people Cheers, what they baby. want. On the bright side, our fantasy squads <sighs> are doing great. Maybe that's because, like, I don't know. Not bad, reason, right? <laughs> when we uh, coach things, just like we're coaching our own podcast, 
turns out really well. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. Hey, good Lord's looking out for Dude, us. That's all it, I can say. Mm-hmm. That's what. Hey, we're here in 2020. We're healthy. We've got a great growing podcast. So even though our sports teams are letting us down, uh, we're, we're we're doing all right in the rest of the aspects of life, right? <laughs> That's right, man. That's all right, stuff. brother. Well. Let's let's dive on in and, and talk about you know season three episode four. Uh, you know the first the thing that we see honestly since they they talked about him and alluded to him in the past couple episodes, but we haven't really seen much of him. We kind of jump right out and see William for the first time yeah. <laughs> in, in season three, and yeah. he's having like a mental breakdown, like <laughs> a complete mental breakdown. He's shooting the walls and the mirrors. Like, he's literally fighting his own internal demons. And he actually is seeing, like, these people, like, like actual, like, hallucinations of his daughter Emily, Dolores, himself. Like, he's all over the place right now. And, he, yeah. you know, he even looks like he's in a psychotic mess, right? This is when we got a bunch of... I don't want to say a bunch of stuff wrong. I mean, we did pretty well, but... This is where it starts Yeah, to, we did pretty well. Yeah, we did pretty well. But it definitely starts to take its own path here. I mean, this is when you start to realize the man in black is somewhat of a crazy person. Getting crazier. I mean, all the things that he's been through and then, you know, killing Emily, his daughter in there. Like, it's yeah. just one of those... Uh, yeah, I think that's enough to, to kind of throw him for a loop. And then keep in mind, like, mm-hmm. you know, he blew his own hand off. Like, he just he's had a rough uh, he's had a rough couple three months, eh? But, yeah. Uh, it was yeah, kind man. of a, sorry, and, I keep interrupting you. Um, you know that's my that, thing. <laughs> John Jay Nelly, our own Jay Nelly, is the only one that could put up with that. Uh, keeps me in check over here. Uh, but I was gonna say it's kind of a creepy scene too. Remember, she was like screaming yes. from reminiscing of the bullet holes. Um, mm-hmm. Which makes you even think, like, I think, just from a real perspective, I feel like that's what would make someone go crazy is in their mind they're hallucinating because they know that they killed their own daughter. Like, that is mm-hmm. that would screw with you if you knew you were responsible for an accident that occurred that was your own flesh and blood. Like, that's... I think that, and would it really was completely his fault too. Like you know, he like she tried to tell him many times that everything was real. Like I got obviously got issues with it. We'll bring it up there about you know like the the jewelry box and also the end credits of season two making it seem something completely different. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if they just threw out the end credits after of season two and like they decide <laughs> to scrap it. But like has not like like that really doesn't come back up at all in the season and it's very very strange. Maybe it's something that we get later on, but. I don't oh, know. No. I think yeah. right. They did what Dan oh. Quinn did. They scrapped it. Like he scrapped the defense. Scrap it. Throw it out. <laughs> Throw it I out. I wonder. I, I truly do wonder if that was the case. And, and then to your point too, when he's like, you know, Emily's freaking out and like screaming in the bullet holes and stuff. Like she's like whispering like things in his ears, like just getting in his head. And one of the quotes that I wrote down, he even she like asked me like, "Are you free and evil, or are you blameless and helplessly enslaved?" Like, two options that he doesn't want to accept about himself, you know? And she even says, you can't have it both ways, Dad. So, you know, are you in control and you're just an evil person? Or are you not? is it not your fault and you're just, you know, hopelessly enslaved, like, mentally, like, you know? So that, I thought that was interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, then he almost actually kills himself. He 
tries to end it and you know that's when the yeah. fake charlotte <laughs> call her it, it's funny like um in in the uh if you guys watch this through the prime app if you got like the hbo add-on to amazon prime and you see like the description they call her uh hell loris like like as a combination yeah. of ha- uh, hail and dolores they call her hell loris but i'll just <laughs> stick to calling her fake like fake hail right so <laughs> she walks That's in awesome. and it's funny because William almost kills her too. Like he points the gun right at her, and she grabs it, and moves it out of the way. Because he he really can't tell what's real and what's not. He's he's gone. He's on a psychotic break. Like, Quick question for you about that. Yeah. Going back to season, let's even go to season one. Remember okay. when they have that encounter in season one? Uh, when Alazo was like strung up. No, it was it's was actually. He was like strung up, and if the horse pulled, it would have like pulled him in half. And she showed up and said, "Don't you have better things to do, like play golf?" Do you think that was in his head, or was that real? Uh, it was real because she needed, like, he wanted, like, they wanted his support to push Ford out. So, like, that okay. was why she showed up and and did that because she wanted to be unanimous. And so that's why he's like, don't bother me again. Because remember, he's basically the primary shareholder of everything. Like, it's a board, but, like, in terms of the shares, he actually had, like, the controlling interest of everything. Got it. Makes sense. I I believe that. I can get on board with you. For sure. Yeah, man. You know, she actually stops him from, you know, being self-destructive and tells him that she needs his help because Ciroc's going to take over. Uh, he, He even says, like, I delegated my duties he's stealing it from you like that's what william tells charlotte like she's like he's stealing your company he's like "Uh uh-uh i delegated my duties he's stealing it from you don't try to loop me in here i'm here trying to deal with my psychotic meltdown and so then (laughs) she basically tells you know that ciroc wants the data from the project in sector sector 16 which guys remember the project in sector sector 16 is the uh guest information that they've been copying and and uh you know generating their dna and mapping their brains and all that like the forge what it was compiling was get like data of all the guests experiences so he wanted that data because he was gonna you know if you're gonna properly induce like deduce this rehoboam this massive thing like it's flaws it didn't have enough data and so delos actually was able to get like a finesse nice great brain mapping of like a day-to-day in the life of and so he wanted that data so he could help predict even better and more accurate strategies for the future so that's what he wants is that data mm-hmm. and uh you know hale actually ends up telling um william that Sirach has someone on the inside at delos which is ironic because we find out that like or like last episode you know hale herself was the double agent remember so right. yeah i thought that was pretty cool and so what this is and i wrote this big quote down here because it's it could have really worked like it this was a piece of excellent writing in season three, and I'll explain it after I give the quote. So Charlotte tells William, I've got a deep pockets investor who can help us take the company private so Ciroc can't touch us. You'd maintain your controlling interest, but I can't take Delos without a majority vote. And since you have the bulk of the voting shares, and William interrupts her, you can't take Delos private with my votes alone you'd need at least half of the rest of the board. And Charlotte said, which is why I need your support at tonight's emergency shareholder meeting. Your presence alone will help sway the others to fall in line. I've got two of our execs waiting outside to escort you to headquarters now. 
Come back, William. Back to who you were. And that's the end of that quote. But why it's so heavy is because that's such a logical explanation of something that could have worked if she wasn't playing him. Right? I don't want right. to say any spoilers, but this is a whole this is a setup, it's a coup. But like it makes complete logical sense and why William would be on board to go through with it. Because if she was serious about this, it probably could have worked this way if she wanted to do mm-hmm. it this way. But I think she didn't want to take any chances with his instability and so she wanted to make him think this and then do what she ends up doing, which we'll get into later on. But I thought that was really interesting that she comes up with a like I said, a great piece of writing for the writers here. An amazing, mm-hmm. you know, s- solution that would really work in a lot of circumstances, and yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, this brings up a big question for me, though, where we were talking about whether that scene in season one was real or not, because of course something that happens later, much later down the road, that we'll talk about next week. Here's my question: Maybe that was in. William's mind when they had this question uh, she asked him that question about the shareholders or maybe it was also happening in the other world at the same time if you understand what I'm saying without giving away spoilers I don't think I understand what you're saying I'm kind of confused because remember in season one she asked the man in black William um, she said the reason she came up to him was because you know she said he controls a big amount of the votes so like she could use his help is what she was asking for so do you think this is what she was asking for as far as like the help wise and no that, that whole thing is... in season one was just to push ford out that was the whole thing it was like they wanted to push ford out so like they could dumb down the hosts and focus on what they were really doing which was getting the guest data right so like but they, like... my question to you is Maybe Ford was just in the man in black's head the whole time. Maybe she was really just referring to this, and this was going on at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess it, it could make sense, but she didn't ask like for him to try to do anything other than just give her like his thumbs up that like yeah I'll vote for board for Ford to go out like like he like that's the only thing that she brought up to him. It's not like she said she needed his votes for anything else. She's like, "Hey, I need I like these things to be unanimous." And he's like, "Yeah, fine. We can we can do it. Like you got my thumbs up." So, you know, here's, wasn't, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Um do you think that actually happened or do you think that was just in his head? Because right oh, now sure we're happened. looking like he's a crazy person, but then we find out something really big later. You see what I'm yeah. saying? It, it for sure happened. Um, are you talking about season one? Or are you talking about like what's happening right now? I'm talking about season one where he was in the yeah, park. Was he ever sure. actually in the park, or has he been in that room the whole time? No, it, it for sure happened. Yeah, okay. because I, that that's between you know him playing Arnold's game of the maze and you know Ford's game in season two. Mm-hmm. Like he's for sure in the park at that point. But uh, and I we know like what she says is real because Charlotte goes to Ford herself and tells him that you know they're they're voting him out remember she's like she yeah. goes right up to his like right. face and says it so yeah that for sure all happen yeah cool uh yeah the next thing i see you know we see bernard at arnold's house uh we see like it's like this is the the big white thing pops up on the screen it says divergence in victorville usa coordinates were 34.5362 north and 117.2928 west and we see bernard watching rockets take off and he sees a kid that kind of reminds him of Charlie, 
which he was programmed to have a cornerstone for of like his tragic backstory. And, you know, he goes into the shitty motel and Stubbs is there complaining. <laughs> so says, I just want to thank you, Bernard, for bringing me to this shithole. Makes me look back on my time in the murder simulation theme park with fondness. <laughs> so I just thought that was a little fun. Um, the same thing. That's awesome. That's yeah, that is really cool. Just yeah. him being a sarcastic dickhead. Classic Stubbs. We love Stubbs, man. He gets yeah. the shit under the stick a lot this season too. He We're does. gonna find out. <laughs> yeah. Him and Elsie, man, they both get the shit in. I don't know, I know. why, but. <laughs> them subplot characters it seems like all the subplot characters get the shit end you know hector gets the shit end a lot like <laughs> hector like, hector man dude it's crazy hector. teddy got the shit end a lot i'm telling all, all the subplot characters really did get the shaft bro <laughs> like yeah i wonder if yeah, yeah. they really did that's for sure i mean lee is subplot but he's hung yeah. in there somehow I mean, yeah he's done somehow good. Well. he's hung yeah. in there i don't know <laughs> yeah Jeez. Logan got the shaft pretty quick. They were like, "You're gonna OD." Did he? That's yeah. what you're gonna do. <laughs> That's. I yeah. wonder if uh, what his insight profile would have said. <laughs> no, but um, like crack yeah, addict, man. cocaine addict, <laughs> whoremongering, <laughs> suicide yeah. within two to five years, something, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all you, man. Good stuff. Yeah. So Bernard's theory was that she killed and replaced Liam Dempsey with a host. So what he wants to do is he wants to disable him with a remote that he made. But we know what he doesn't know. So the, you know, the, audi- the audience knows this at this point in time too. Liam's not a host. But Bernard thinks he is. So mm-hmm. this whole plan that Bernard is developing is predicated on the fact that Liam is a host. And he's going to be able to shut Liam down with this remote that he made. And we see what ends up happening here. You know, is, is far from the case because he doesn't know what we know that she actually made Connell's the host, like his top right. security guy. Like, you know, the, the, uh, that was the smart, one of the smartest things Dolores did was because she still needed, you know, Liam for access to stuff. So I thought mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah. Um, so Stubbs, I, I have this cool quote from Stubbs too. He says, you hacked the richest technocrat in the world. Bernard said, no, his security is too tight. So I hacked his car service. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, man. Then we go back to Caleb and Dolores getting ready for, you know, the big event. And, you know, Caleb says, uh, so who is it that we're going after? And Dolores tells him, you know, it's the person that who took your future. But first, we have to take his. And to do that, you need to pretend to be one of them. And so what this means, so we're going to see here in just a second what Dolores and Caleb are about to do which is really gonna screw Liam over pretty fucking heavy yeah. <laughs> uh, really shortly because you know remember Connells is in Dolores's back pocket because mm-hmm. Connells is actually a host That's and right. he comes up right here you know she tells him through her like earpiece tells Connells like alright you know get get his hash key right, right. so Connell's, you know, forces Liam to give him his hash key. He had this like really cool badass monologue. I didn't write it down because it wasn't important to it. I don't. Yeah. Did you? Did you write it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I just, <laughs> I kind of let it go. But it was kind of funny. He like intimidated the fuck out of Liam, and Liam kind of gives him his <laughs> yeah. hash key. It was pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, the place that they need this for is called Anderson Private Equity. So yeah, this is basically a bank for like the top one percent elite people in the world. 
So it's right. not just like a bank, you know, and he even says, you know, if I wanted questions, I would go to a regular bank. So this is like a place that moves money discreetly. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. So anyways, they attack this guy named Michael Tritter and take his blood because the encryption key for his identity is in Michael's blood. And so we learn that they only have really two minutes to pull off this heist, which is kind of cool, right? right. Uh, while that's going on, we get, get a jump back to Ciroc and... He brings Maeve online, and you know she learned. Like it's kind of weird too, because like we were talking about, we don't know what timeline, like in terms of our real world, you know, where we live yeah. is. Like you know, we're in 2020, right? We don't know what timeline, you know, this Rust world is because number one, like we talked about last week, elephants are extinct; they don't exist anymore. And also, we learned that Paris doesn't exist <laughs> like you know like france yeah. you know paris and france doesn't exist so yeah um, you know we, we he wants the guests codes and you know he he wants them what the, what the reason he needs these codes for is because he needs the map of the human mind to complete rehoboam for more accurate behavioral predictions like we were talking about but this is where he actually says it himself and comes out and tells you this is why he needs the information from the secret project that Dallas was performing Right, yeah. and so Dolores now has the key to all of the data, so he thinks. That's what he thinks. He said, you know, delete, like Dolores has the encryption key to everything, and so he wants Maeve to take it from Dolores and basically offer her, offers her an eternity in the valley beyond, or what they call it in this season, they call it the sublime, mm-hmm. but uh, with her daughter. Or what he'll do is he'll take her back to hell in Warworld. And we got to remember that he's got that weird remote that controls her. Because remember, he, she tried to stab him last up, like, you know, like we did this last week. And, you know, she tried to stab him and he, like, paused her. Mm-hmm. So, like, she is kind of in a tough situation because, you know, she, her whole core being is to get back to her daughter. But she doesn't like to be told what to do or be controlled. And he's basically giving her an ultimatum where, like, all right, cool. You don't have to do this, but I'm going to stick you right back into War World and... And uh, what did you say it was called? War-torn Italy in the 1940s? <laughs> we'll put you right, right back there. Yeah, yeah so, right you know. I do want yeah, to read so. this interaction real quick because I do, do it. like the dialogue here. Because Sirach is talking about heaven or hell. Because, you know, Maeve, uh, you know, she really wanted... Her whole point has been just to be with her daughter, you know. Yep. Uh, that's why I think Maeve really is the good guy here, despite who... Ever she winds up working for is because all she really cares about is happiness and wanting equality for everybody. It's not about <laughs> the Dolores or Daenerys way and extinction <laughs> makes reality, you know? Um, and so I just thought the dialogue was absolutely amazing. It kind of even reminded me Robert Ford a little bit, but Maeve, you know, so Sirach goes, bring yourself back online, and she wakes up. And she's in that kind of almost like the forge kind of looking thing with the pasture and stuff. It looked beautiful. And she goes, another simulation. He says, no, Maeve, this is Singapore. Uh, And then she says, "Uh, largest cherry you got, please. (laughs) If you really want to. Oh, the sherry, that. Yeah, yeah, the sherry. It's a type of alcohol, guys, for those who don't know what sherry is. She ordered like the biggest the, glass of yeah. that they possibly had. Yeah, that's right. It was great. Um, if you really wanted to impress me, you could have brought me to Paris. Uh, and Sirox goes, I forget there is so much you don't know. Paris, for instance. I grew up there with my brother. But alas, there is nothing left to see. Like you, I know what it's like to see your world disappear. 
in a blink of an eye. It exists now only to one's mind, so you will forgive my loyalty to my kind. It's hard won. If what is it you want with Dolores? I've wanted I've wanted many things for years for you and Dolores to arrive, but you're not really the threat I worry about. Humanity's biggest threat has always been itself. I've been trying to control that, negotiate a way into the future. But to do that, I need to understand humanity. So I created the most comprehensive behavior of human behavior I have ever had. Had seen. And yet, it's still incomplete. Imagine my surprise when someone had put together a more complete portrait of a map of a human mind, created into a theme park of all places. Dolores has the key to all that data. So you want me to find Dolores, what's in it for me? I told you. A deal in futures, that's what I'm offering you. Here in, the, in your world. No, not here. Sadly, no path to your kind and mine sharing a world. But there is a world for you. The same world you sent your daughter to. Maeve, that world was locked away from this one. No, there is a key. Your friend Dolores has the only copy hidden away in her mind, which means her interest and mine are one and the same. I would like to show you something, and then you can return. Return back to your cape if you like. Sirach takes Maeve back into the house, and that's when you have, you know, it pursues, and he says, he tells a little bit about, you know, like his brother and, and that sort of thing, and has that Chinese man... Uh, I, I I don't know if he's Chinese, but he was like torturing that guy and trying to get him to talk. Um, and he says he kills him, and he just says he was a traitor to his kind, whether he understood that or not. Humans created the idea of heaven or hell. Well, there there's a couple things before that that I wanted to mention too, because mm-hmm. that they they actually take you know he takes her to the place. Where you know it's Arnold's house where Dolores yeah. entered. You know that's where they are. Is, is Arnold's right. house? That's the divergence. Mm-hmm. And you know, Sirak said the system traced the divergence to this house three months ago. And they go in and they see the place where you know Dolores remade herself and the other hosts. And that was mm-hmm. really important. And you know, even maybe she says this is where she made remade herself. And Sirak kind of grabs that tablet and says, "Not just herself. We think she stole a small number of pearls. She needed allies." And that's when they go to the other room where Sirak is holding a prisoner, and the prisoner's name is Jiang uh, or Jiang. How do you say it? J I A N G. Yeah, Jiang. And he's an identity. What he is? He's an identity broker. Mm-hmm. So he helped to get you know Dolores a new identity. So you know he had something of a windfall three months ago, a payment from an offshore account for, of a wealthy man who drowned in the swimming pool, and that was Gerald, that you know that German asshole from episode one of season three. So, you know, we think that he helped Dolores establish her new bona fides, but he's just a middleman. And that's when, you know, he goes more into that. And then he shows Jing what happens to his family if he helps Sirak and what happens right. to Jing if he doesn't help Sirak. And, you know, he comes around and he just, shot know, him in the head, right? Is that how he, he did. killed him? Yeah, well, first he tells him. Gun. So, yeah, Jing tells Sirak that she needed five identities. Now he sent her to someone called the Mortician, and that's when you know Sirak, You know he said, "Boom!" Right. Shot him in the head, executes him anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let you continue yeah. on, but I wanted to touch on those. points. No, that there. was that was really important. That was good stuff. Um, 
Yeah, and he just says, he was a traitor to his kind, whether he understood that or not. Humans created the idea of heaven or hell for how simple-minded people are into compliance. There are lies. Jang here simply doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, says it like nothing. Oh, well, he's gone now. Uh, but for you, both heaven and hell could be very real. In eternity with your daughter, or you can spend it in a cage, wondering what Dolores will do with the rest of your kind. Maeve, yeah. even if I do find Dolores, why would I bother bringing her back to you? Your mind is complicated, Maeve, but not so complicated that we couldn't build an off switch into it. She has five more of your kind under her control. They have a head start, and I suspect that they have taken full advantage of it. And Maeve says, oh, they better have. Awesome. <laughs> I like the way down, she said man. that, for <laughs> sure. Badass. Yeah. Well, I'll let that- you take it from here they we get to william you know and he's getting all cleaned up like shaving in front of like a mirror and you know charlotte comes in and you know says like you know know, there's a bathroom right there and he's like oh you know he doesn't use that room and we know why because that's the room Mm -hmm. his wife killed him killed herself in right right so then william tells hill and says the first thing we need to do when i get back to delos is find our fucking mole and charlotte responds only a handful of people know about our off the books project problem is most of them are dead almost everyone was slaughtered in the massacre to which william responds you weren't maybe you're the mole and like like at this point like is he really onto her like i did or is, is he just skeptical of everyone did he hasn't does he have an idea that like dude like ding 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 like you're right on the money bro like i wonder that that, that was pretty cool i think but, he questions everyone i think he's a yeah. crazy person like I mean, I agree. He, he didn't even know if he, if Emily was real. So I think he's just legitimately, layman's terms, plain and simple, like a fucking crazy person, and he's questioning everything at this point. Because I mean, you would, which kind of plays into a very interesting scene that was one of your favorite scenes, kind of later on, when he breaks <laughs> free, that, like. uh I guess mental state, I guess, but I think based on what we see kind of later and kind of the way he's acted previously, I think he's just a psychopath. Yeah, he just he just doesn't he mistrusts everybody. Like I just thought it was cool because like you know she even you you could see her face like she got nervous for a second. Yeah, you know, and Charlotte says if I was, I would tell Sirach that taking over Delos is futile. All of the Sector Sixteen data was lost in the massacre. Unless he knows something that we don't. And William says, if this asshole takes managing control of Delos, he might find some evidence of the project. Assuming you did as good a job covering our tracks as he did fending off a corporate takeover. <laughs> Just insulting her left and right. I thought that was cool. And then it takes us back to uh, Dolores and, and, and Caleb. And they enter, like I said, the elite people's version of a bank. And, you know, so we learn that the blood marker is still good for 15 minutes. Uh, in the RGGR Centennial, right? And so mm-hmm. his first security point is verified, and his identity is Michael Trader. That's the person's blood that they took. And uh, they get past that first guy. Then they sit down with that lady at the table mm-hmm. and take it a step further to, to move that money. So, you know, basically, t- Caleb tells... I, I call her a teller. I know she's not a teller because it's like whatever, but the, their <laughs> version of what a teller, of, like a bank teller would be. 
you know, he says that he needs to make a transfer on behalf of his client Liam Dempsey, and kind of gives her the hash key, you know, and she get questions that she's like, well, something like this is very, very unusual. Like, you know, these things don't happen. And he tells her, well, guess what? Like, listen, if we wanted questions, I just go regular bank. Like, your job's to move the fucking money, not ask how we're going to spend it, right? Yeah. Like, I gained a so, lot of respect for Caleb here. Like, you got to have yeah. some balls and some nerves of steel to do this shit. Under pressure, like, with, like, Dolores already telling him, like, hey, if shit goes south, I've basically got to kill everybody in here. You know, like, so he's yeah. got, like, all this pressure on his back, like... You know, he's got someone else's blood inside of him pretending to be that guy. And, you know, he's got to like, hold it all together. Great, great stuff. I agree with you. Awesome. You know, he gives the hash key. And then the second form of security requires a print. And it doesn't register the first time. And so, like, you see, like, Dolores starting to get antsy. Like, she puts her hand on the gun there, ready to need, like, if she needs <laughs> to start blowing people away. But he wipes his, like, finger off on the cloth. And the second one... Uh, you know, it, it takes his fingerprint, but I thought it would be cool, man, if like it didn't, and then we had to see them in action, and then all of a sudden they know, like Dempsey knows that she was trying to take the money. I thought that would have been a cool like side yeah. narrative, but instead they went this way with it, which is fine. But I just thought it'd be kind of cool if like <laughs> very sad, yeah. but all right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. You know? uh, not really thinking out of the box, but yeah, I'll t- we'll take it. Right, it's exactly. Right. It makes you know, for for such for a show that's really thought outside of the box in every you know category so far in the previous seasons, I just mm-hmm. came to expect something like that. And you know, it's fine that they they went this way. With it. I just thought in my head like be super cool like you know they make a great daring escape almost like harry potter from gringotts like we'll get into that later like you know they somehow get out of that crazy thing but now liam knows that they're after his money then that's a side narrative i thought it'd been cool that would have been badass i mean i guess it goes into like you can only really fit so much in a season but um especially with eight episodes (laughs) yeah and uh another thing you were talking to me about this week we get robbed of kind of Bernard and Stubbs, man, of this season. Like, I feel like, especially Bernard, could have played so much of yeah. a bigger role, I would say. I agree. Yeah, actually, that's one thing I'm, I'm probably going to bring up uh, uh, next week when we finish out this, uh, you know, because I want to accumulate everything that I have my thoughts into for the, for the end of uh, season three. But yeah, I agree. I think that. You know, our buddy Bernard got dogged this entire time. They set something up really heavy, and it just—he really was kind of like a side, side narrative. <laughs> like it's yeah. really what it kind of came off to me, right? right? But right, you know, exactly. long story short, though, at the end of this the whole interaction, they do have Liam Dempsey's money. They've got f- mm-hmm. his full account funds. They've transferred the money. He, they now have, for all intents and purposes, they are the richest people, like mm-hmm. you know, outside of Ciroc, right? So. Uh, Maeve uh, actually makes the club bouncer take her to see the mortician. I thought that was kind of cool. That was you know awesome. she like, shoots him in like I don't know if she shoots him in the dick or in the leg with like the gun in there, <laughs> but like basically they well, let's go like bring me to him right. So she goes in there that like was a badass too, and they're like oh she remember the doctor was like the mortician was like okay okay like fine yeah <laughs> like, yeah the, the the bouncer yeah like I was gonna say like. You know, Maeve meets with, like, the mortician wants information on, like, Dolores, who the mortician sold a new identity to, and she kills that bodyguard. Like, he, like, walks out and just immediately, boom, like, not even, doesn't even look at him, just like, to the yeah. side, 
casually shoots him straight in the chest, kills him, and then like she tries to call back up and she does her mind control things like, you know, let's keep this conversation private, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> like she just a bad I love Maeve, man. She's she's my girl. Maybe. But yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love it, dude. And so yeah, she kills that bodyguard. She she causes the like the radio glasses malfunction and actually learns that the matrician sold blood to Dolores belonging to Lara Espin. So that comes full circle. We finally find out from the real Connells before he was changed into host Connells mm. when he said, you know, she's a you know twelve year old dead girl, you know, from Ukraine. <laughs> like this is where it, this is where it all originated from, right? <laughs> yeah, we didn't mention this last so. time, uh, but the exact dialogue that uh, Martin—that's it, Martin Connell—is what he said. Uh, who, what his name is? He goes, "I don't know about you, but she doesn't like a look like a twelve-year-old teenager, dead teenager from Crave." does she <laughs> yeah yeah it's great just uh yeah yeah i'm pretty awesome good stuff but then we're kind of going For back sure. to and uh liam right in that masquerade party are we there yet almost there's a couple things here that i, I still took away from this conversation because what we mm-hmm. find out is dolores didn't ask for more blood yeah but asked to sm- her to smuggle out bodies so this right. is a new thing now. So mm-hmm. she she got her own identity. So she's her, but she didn't necessarily make new identities for anybody else, which is what they had suspected that she had done. And she didn't right. do that, but mm-hmm. she requested to smuggle out bodies. And then you know, we learned that that's not the mortician's business. So she sent Dolores to the Yakuza, and they helped Dolores move the bodies. And Maeve tells mortician, "Well, I want an introduction." Mm-hmm. And so that leads up into something real big that's going to happen here pretty soon. But yes, yeah. now, you know, we got that awesome masquerade party with Liam, Roderick, and Penny. And, and uh, yeah, Loosen it's pretty up cool, my man. Buttons, uh, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were kind of loosening up everything because, like, there was, like, the girls for sale on the platforms. Liam was and trying to Roderick swipe was that trying card. to get, like, yeah. Yeah, dude, it was funny because he was so against it at first. Like you know, Roger was trying to get him into. It. Like, come on, man, you got to get over Lara. Man. It's They're like you know, just have some fun tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they got their shots, man. <laughs> like they're good to go. Messed and uh, you know, he. And there's a small part here that does come up, and it, it plays a fairly major role for like at least for Caleb later on. Is mm-hmm. that uh, Roderick gives Liam a new drug called Genre. Like he gives it to Liam, and like Liam doesn't take it, but like you know, in terms of injustice, she, he you know physically has it now though, and basically what it is, it's a it's a digital psychopharma hybrid. So it hits the limbic implant and then the bloodstream, and I guess it sends. He said his words were, "It sends you straight to the silent era and back." So I thought that was pretty cool, and then that's when we have Caleb and Dolores show up to the masquerade. And mm-hmm. to your point, this is where, you know, Liam's trying to swipe that card to buy that woman that reminds him of old Delore. <laughs> so <laughs> was he, he tries to buy the woman and finds out that his accounts that are empty. Why or was she just blonde? I just thought it was like a random blonde woman, but I guess maybe that's why. Well, remember what Roderick said? He's like, shit, you do have a type. Remember? Because yeah. like, it's like someone who reminds him so much of Lara, so... That that's why you know he he's trying to try to buy her, but the most important thing that we come from this is he finally learns that his accounts are empty. He's like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, yeah, I, I, he tried give give me Connell's on the phone. He tried to buy. It. Imagine this, man. 
this guy has never had to work for anything. His dad is the one that kind of built their fortune. And mm-hmm. so he's always just had money. Imagine living with that sense of security and like you just know it's going to be there. Then one day you like you go to just purchase something that's well within your means. Like like for him, he's he's got multi-billion dollars, right? So like yeah. whatever, maybe be like $100,000 for this that's girl pennies. or whatever. Pennies. That's nothing. That's pennies, right? And then, yeah. you know, you tried to make that transaction and all of a sudden you've got nothing. And now you've got to face the realization that like you have nothing <laughs> like Start at sweating. all yeah, so sweat and i feel like yeah. what I'm like what is going like, on this was a cool party that's by basically the way. what he does yeah. yeah it was remember it reminded me of something from like van helsing when they have the masquerade masks on or like something from halloween yeah but mix that with like spartacus when they got like the like i guess in our realm it would be like our world in present day would be strippers, but there they had this. I don't like using that word. The girls for hire, the escorts that were placed. There you go. Escort, escort is a good. Escorts is a good name. Escorts. Um, but yeah, and and this is when too, you know, you kind of have all these groups merge into one right here, right? And you have um, remember, Roderick is there like with some other girl even though his girlfriend Penny. went to go get oh, high oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's right was she, yeah was she on genre too or was she on something else i think she was on something else but like it was just funny because like be, I, not to get ahead but I remember like when everything kind of transpired she's like yeah. damn this shit is good <laughs> oh my yeah. god that was pretty cool because, like, to your point, you know, this is where Bernard and Subs, they show up and they actually grab Liam before Dolores can get to him. Mm-hmm. And that's when, to your point that you're saying, like, uh, Bernard tries to shut down Liam with the remote that he made and also commanded him to go into diagnostic mode. And so imagine this. You have this best laid plan. And as far as you know, it's pretty fucking bulletproof. Like, this guy's a host. We got to him before Dolores did. We've got him alone. I've got my remote. Like, to him, in his mind, he's like, dude, like, smooth sailing. This is exactly what we're looking for. Then he goes to press that button and realizes everything he thought is completely wrong. And now he's got to improvise on the fly in a dangerous situation where you've got badass Dolores, you know. And then you got, like, you know, so then... Basically, what happens is Dolores intercepts them, and then we get an awesome what I call uh, Stubbs versus Dolores, and she sends Caleb after Bernard, who has Liam. And Chase, why don't you tell him a little bit about what happens when Stubbs tries to fight Dolores? <laughs> oh, this is badass, man. I do want to say this though, real quick. Just imagine that's almost like say you study all night for like a test or something you had to do with your job, and your boss told told you, "Hey, I got this project you need to do. You need to make sure you do it." And then you do it, and either you studied for the test wrong, or you did the project wrong. So, like, right before you're trying to fix this shit on the fly, right before it's fucking due, and you're like, oh, shit! <laughs> oh, shit! Yeah, I mean, oh. even a better analogy, it's like they changed the test. Like, you study for a test, then the next day they gave you a new test. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, it's like, different. Like, it's like you're studying, studying for math, and they give you a fucking history test. <laughs> like, exactly. That's exactly what it was. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Ashley Stubbs shows up. And remember, just for like a, a second, uh, I do want to bring this up real quick. It could have been just a second later, but uh, Dolores, I call her Lauren Espin at this point, runs into Roderick. And remember, she like does the temple push. Because that was that was after the fight with uh, that was after the fight with Subs. Yeah, gotcha. I just yeah. wanted to make sure we say that because that was kind of yeah. cool. I thought, 
But so uh, Dolores and Stubbs encounter each other. And Dolores says, this was never your fight. You should have stayed out of it. And Stubbs said, you know, being the good old boy, <laughs> almost like the <laughs> Ned Stark, I would say. I would if I could. But thanks to Bernard, it's not up to me. It's nothing personal. And Dolores just goes, likewise. These motherfuckers go blow for blow. Like, Stubbs holds his own on probably one of the most <laughs> badass... I don't want to call her. He a gets villain. his ass whooped, bro. I wrote, I wrote <laughs> yeah, the exact I opposite. I said Dolores whoops his ass. <laughs> like he gets like they... four good shots in, and then she just is like, "All right, I'm done with you." <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, okay, I'll give it to you. I thought he held his own for what he did because remember he even goes to tackle her. But this is where Dolores is smart. She like steps to the side and just pushes his ass off. <laughs> it's like this big it... ass balcony. His ass just goes flying, man. It was like skydiving. Motherfucker just That's trampled, it. went flying off to the ground like Wiley e. Coyote in the Roadrunner cartoon, man. It was this gone. is part. This is part one of him like getting the shaft of this season. Like this is actually the, <laughs> like, the first part. Like he got the shit in. Like get his ass kicked by a girl in front of literally a, a room full of rich assholes. Like I, this girl like fucked him up, dude. You I know, hate so up it Game was of interesting quotes because you know it's just. A big part of us, but we try to keep it away and keep things separate. But he pulled a tome and <laughs> he did. He took a leap of faith, baby. <laughs> well, the difference is, is that Tommen did that like on purpose, and <laughs> he got thrown the fuck over. It was so like if anything, he guys. pulled a Peter Baelish when he threw Eliza Aaron through the moon mm-hmm. door. That's really more okay. like the the right one there. But I get. And this yeah. is when, you know, Roderick sees um, Lauren and even said, like, hey, Lauren. La- Laura. Yeah. Laura, Laura. Sorry. Laura, yeah. Uh, yeah, even says, hey, Laura. Like, actually realizes what he's seeing. Why his girlfriend yeah. was like, this is some good shit. And he's walking yeah. another girl. And she just, like, taps on her temple. Because remember, she was telling him earlier that we talked about last week about... Mm-hmm. Um, everything's up in the mind, really. And like, not, yeah, not only that, that was also, there's a small part where, like, he pointed, she pointed to that little area in the brain that was built to believe in God. Remember? Because, like, she thought, he thought she was dead. And so mm-hmm. she points at that little, like, area where, like, on her temple where that's yeah. the spot where, like, you're built to believe in God. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was awesome. Was, <laughs> good I'll let you take For it sure. away, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I also wrote down the same thing that you did. Like Penny thought that she was having a good drug trip because she's like, she's like, man, this is good. <laughs> she thought she was, but yeah, then we go back to Maeve with the mortician, and we hear of this boss called Sato. We don't know anything of him yet, but uh, you know they get to like this almost like this warehouse that you'd find on the docks or like a harbor. Very like you know any sort of like drug lord thing. Same sort of deal here because it's the yakuza that they're dealing with. Yeah. And so, uh, what she like now? This is this is another thing that confuses me. Now all of a sudden, Maeve can just control all electronics, not just like hosts. Like she just has full control of all electronic technology. I don't know. We don't see any development of her powers, but that's what I'm led to believe because she unlocks the gate code with her mind, and they're really in the real world now. It's not like they're in <laughs> a host world. So does she just got full autonomy over all electronics, bro? I don't know, man. Yeah, I was but, wondering about that, too. The only thing I can think of for that, my mind trying to connect dots, is I guess because Ciroc has control of 
I said not Roboam, Robom, <laughs> Rehoboam, Rehoboam lotion. Yeah, <laughs> what right. Was it? Uh, Robo, <laughs> Say Rehoboam, <it>. Rehoboam, <laughs> Rehoboam. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that would be a reason why Dolores. It makes more sense because at least she's talking to like their, her Jarvis on the other end when she controls the bike yeah. and that sort of thing. And it's but, not even just the keypad because it happens just a second from here now too when she has to take out Sato's men. She yeah. controls the gun on its own. Yeah, like like I don't like, know it makes, about like that. I don't understand. Like that's what I'm saying. Like we don't get any sort of explanation. We just gotta kind of take it for face value. Like oh yeah, that makes complete sense that now she just controls every single electronic ever made <laughs> like which okay ma- which <laughs> makes me think you know for all these damn powers she keeps getting to be ray from star wars out of fucking nowhere right pulling a rise of fucking skywalker pulling the rise of skywalker on us dolores um for that big showdown that happens <laughs> soon she really holds her own <laughs> uh, yeah 100 percent. yeah Good stuff, man. I'll let you uh, keep going on about uh, the well, yeah. Soraka from there, Sato, yeah. Sato, so like you know, yeah, she Sato, sorry. she has that like where she takes out all that has men. Like it was pretty cool. It was a cool scene. Like like I was saying, like sometimes the storyline suffers when you make cool visuals, and I think that's one. Of, this is one of those type of deals here because it was cool to see her take out all of Sato's men like that. Yeah. But then like it kind of get we get taken back to Hale, like Charlotte Hale. Mm-hmm. And we see William all cleaned up, getting ready to go to that emergency board meeting. You know, I noticed I did that in air quotes if you guys couldn't see me and you're just listening on podcast. But, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's still being haunted by the ghost of Emily, even like even at that point in time. And Yeah, this was cool. That, did, you, did you have the, the dialogue between Emily and, uh, yeah, and, and I, William? Dude, yeah, take, take it away, bro. Yeah, yeah, take it, okay. bro. Um. So remember, you know, Charlotte arrives and she's really waiting outside the house, which we'll go into that in a minute. But, you know, he's looking in the mirror at himself. Uh, The man in black is just kind of rekindling himself before he goes to this party. And Emily walks down the stairs. And uh, she goes, Dad? And the man in black says, you're not real. Emily says, I guess I'm not anymore. (laughs) You're stuck with me. Man in Black, you're asking if I choose what happened to you. Chose what happened to you. The truth is, I did. I thought you were a host. That was my choice. So maybe now, it's my penance. But that's a choice too. I'm gonna walk out that door, and I am choosing to leave you behind. And then Emily says, "I am always Daddy's little girl. You taught me patience, Dad. I'll be waiting for you." And that's when he walks out the door and Charlotte's there and Charlotte makes some like kind of sly remark and, and basically tells him, you know, she just heard the entire conversation and he's still being haunted by his daughter. But this goes to prove that we know Emily actually died now. And yeah. this is all I don't want to say he's entirely crazy, but it's definitely like a hallucination or something going on. And it's part of the problem that we have is that just because we always talk about the after credits in season two, just a quick refresher on what that was. It was we see Emily bringing, you know, William down from the forge and he said he's been in the park the whole time. And she basically 
brought him into that room that James Delos was when they made fake copies of James Delos trying to make him like you know live forever but it's not really his own body and they made it seem like that's what William was that William wasn't a real human like he must have died a while ago and they remapped him and, and you know and he's not he's not an actual individual no more right. where you know that, that that's what it seemed like at the end because they, they even had that quote like what we've been trying to verify what and it says fidelity which is exactly what they were doing to James Delos so we didn't mistake the signs there like I think they really just said they just acted like that never happened because this time you know in, in season three William's been a full human and then to get what happens at the very end of the credits at the end of season three like they really have nowhere to go with that like in terms of what they did in the after credits in season two so I am very, you know, we might have called that wrong, but I really think that's because they they decided to flip the script, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. So I'm, you know what I mean? But no, granted, right? It could be something that gets brought up later on in other seasons. However, I feel like it was a cop out too because back in season two, when we saw that after credit scene, that place looked nothing like his house <laughs> either. So, like, we've never seen that place before. It didn't look like the forge. It well, it was, the like room was the same as where they kept Ellis, and it, it was that same exact room where, right. you know, but, yeah, but it was... remember, like, when he, like, looked down, like, when it was all in, like, ruin and stuff? When it was ruins, yeah. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looked different than anything we've really seen before. I can't, I mean, it didn't look like the forge or anything to me. I don't know about you, or even Singapore any of that like, like i said dude i i truly think that we maybe they were just hoping that people didn't watch the after credits there and, and then decide <laughs> not to go with it because they very very purposely made it look like emily was still alive and she was actually someone who was bringing her dad back on almost as if like they figured out from the trials with james delos how to actually make a person live forever and william was the person that they got it to be successful with mm-hmm. you know that's what it made it seem like that yeah. William wasn't a real human. I but gotta as agree we with tell, you, man. I was like, pretty... No, I, this is just me being picky because I think there were a lot of really good, great things in this season because it's hard to make something very consistent that's so intellectually detailed. Like, it, it's hard. Yeah. I can't say I could do it because I'm not the director, but <laughs> this is something I was disappointed with, I think, because I was so hyped up to see what the answer was and then it's right. kind of like once you it's like one of those things like if they hyped up a movie for like two years and all the good fucking parts were in the commercials i'm like i yeah. could have just watched the trailer a thousand times so i 100 percent agree man that's good stuff yeah then we get taken to back to mave and you know she takes out the last of sato's guard and comes face to face with sato and we realize it's musashi and this is another huge problem i have that i talked to you about because if that's one of the bodies that Dolores smuggled out, Dolores never had an interaction in any part of season one or any part of season two with Musashi. So why would she make it a point to bring his body? Like, how would she even yeah. know that he existed? Like that that, show, a- that that Shogun world was fairly new. Remember, they were building it throughout season one, mm-hmm. and then they put it into season two? So, like, she's never had an interaction with Musashi. Why on earth would she trusts like a body or even want that body that she's not does never had an interaction with before it just doesn't seem logical to me that 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 shell that body is one of the ones that she would have chosen but yeah no i have to agree with you 100 percent because uh, i was thinking the exact same thing when he walked out i'm like oh that's fucking badass 
because she has a samurai sword, but how the fuck did Dolores know this? Maybe yeah. Dolores was just walking through the park the whole time, visiting Shogun World during her off scenes, and we didn't know about it. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It, it, and, like, the we, only one, Yeah, sorry, after you. Yeah, we think that, that, like, to your point, maybe it gets answered in a later season, but then we think about what actually happens to this Sato or Musashi later on, and like maybe that never does get answered in the later season, like season yeah. four, season five. Like I just I think that that's something that they just wanted us to blindly accept. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll be able to answer that when season eight comes out. Season eight of Westworld, right? <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. It's all you, man. Good stuff. Yeah. So then. You know, Caleb stops Bernard from taking Liam, and that's when the host Connells shows up and actually kills his own men. And he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> but but uh, he commands Liam to run. He's like, he makes him run away, and then tells Caleb to go after him. And so now it's just Connells and Bernard. And before they have an interaction, it takes us back to Maeve and Sato or Musashi. And May realizes it's not really Musashi and that Dolores put someone in his body, right? Mm -hmm. We still know who these someones are yet, these pearls that she took. We don't know who they are. We had guesses uh, last, you know, to your point when we were talking about like maybe like we had some thought, you know, thoughts that weren't, didn't come out to be correct. But, you know, we learned about that here. But then Mm -hmm. it goes back to Bernard and Connell's and. Bernard realizes it was Connell's that's the host the whole time that Bernard expected Liam to be. Mm-hmm. And Bernard realizes Dolores needs the real Liam for something, and that's why Dolores changed Connell's instead. Because Connell still has high-level access to everything. He's like the top security guy right. for Liam Dempsey. So it was, a, it was a win-win situation for Dolores because she can still use a full access and use real human Liam for everything she wants. And she's got like the security in her back pocket because it's you know the host. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, yeah. Then we kind of have, uh, you know, when we have. Uh, I was gonna say, going into when the blonde girl for uh, Sarak kind of comes in there, and are we at that point yet? Where you have Connells, and he was telling you know Bernard, and then when he comes in contact with them, you know, to leave. Are you at that point yet? Well, the next thing I have after, you know, what we, I just mentioned there is, like, like Charlotte and William, um, like, when they, when Charlotte gives up her identity to William, and it's, this is, like, this is the cool point that I have here, uh, I'll let you, like, because you said you'd have something in between that, I'm not sure what part you've got, um, but... Because I'm, I'm looking at yeah, what I've got next on my on my notes over here is, um, you know, Charlotte and William, and then going back to Maeve and Musashi, and then we're actually starting to see uh, how all of the uh, these things kind of come full circle. I'll say that so I don't I don't ruin it. But no, you're good. Uh, I just had a like a little part in between there. It's not even really important. My point was when um, you know Bernard is kind of in that area but um caleb finds bernard and like puts that gun to bernard's head and um that's when connell's uh martin connell or whatever his name is um like appears behind him and then winds up killing 
you know, kind of the agents in the room that were Liam's assistants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember that? That's what I said. You know, he shows up and kills his own men and commands Liam right. to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we touched on that. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I wanted to say about that, though, because there's just one little part, um, it really goes to show, like, you know, Connell's is this, like, badass guy you think really has no fear. But just to show you, you know, how much power, like, this guy has, Connell says, run. Run before I put a hole in your pantsy little head. Fucking run. And it, it goes to show, like, I don't think I've ever seen Connell's intimidated by anyone before. So that's the only part I wanted to bring up about that before he moved on. Because it really goes to show the amount of power these people have that Sirak uh, is in control of. Yeah, well... See, I took a very completely different um, thought process on that because I didn't. The, to me, there was no point in there where Connell looked or felt intimidated. He was in control of the situation. So Liam thought that Connell's was there to rescue him because Connell's was a security like detail. And instead, Connell's kills his own men, Liam's men, in front of him, walks up, and makes Liam go so that way Caleb can catch him and they that can reconvene later but what he wanted was to have that one-on-one -on -one time with bernard that's what that mm -hmm. situation was there was no point where you know connell's looked or felt intimidated by anybody and especially guess, because you know i guess he's a host say, too you're, <laughs> you're kind of saying he was planning out this whole plan he has in just a minute that we'll get into he like just, yeah he was well i mean that, with the, the host plan, inside him like, was but <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but then you have to say, like, did he want that for himself? You see what I'm saying? Um, what, what, are but, you, what yeah, are you talking I'll about? I'll let you take it from the Well, as far as what happens on that floor, like how he all he got them all in that room that we'll talk about later. Oh, my gosh, that's way far. That's really far down the line. That's like that's not even in this episode. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's kind of what I'm saying. You know, they all oh. kind of came together at that moment. So yeah, well, remember that is. Planning that out, then. Yeah, that was the plan. He like that was the plan to do that uh, with he, everyone in the room. Which I get that. I was just thinking because he that was so far down the line. Anyways, he must have been fucking like scared or some shit. Remember he goes because he because don't you fucking twitch, <laughs> don't you fucking yeah, well, twitch either. <laughs> because he know he knows that Bernard had the control that he could control Connell's if he wanted mm -hmm. to with that that he made because he made it for Liam. Then Liam's like, oh shit, that's actually a real human. And so he can't use it on Liam. He could have used it on Connell's. That's why I said don't fucking twitch because he knows he's going to try to shut Connell's off with that remote. Okay. Um, I could see it. I, I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. I can see how he would plan it, but I thought he was being a little scared little bitch for a minute. Nah. Not at all. Chips turned um, into Chips Ahoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll let you take it, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Then... um. So we go back to Charlotte Hale and, and William, and Hale, you know, just kind of antagonizes William. Says, "Do you think you convinced her?" Then William said, "What did you say?" Hale said, "Your daughter. I've been listening to your conversations with her. You've always been given to delusions, grandeur, and otherwise. It's not uncommon, really, as a way to process grief or guilt." And William responds. You've been spying on me? Hale says, as a precaution. I didn't really need to, of course, because I know you better than anyone. 
I know you down to your bones. It's amusing that you think you chose to kill your own daughter. You don't even have a choice in your own grief. William says, Who the fuck are you? And Hale looks at him and says, Your oldest friend. And it takes William a second to realize, <laughs> and he says, Dolores. Yeah. And then it takes us back to Connell's talking to Bernard. And, you know, the quote there, I told you you'd try and stop me, and I'm surprised, Bernard. And that's when Connell's takes Bernard's con- control remote. It says, after all the time we spent together, you don't recognize your only friend? Get in. So we're starting to see the, the trickle down here. We're, we're starting to get an idea of who these hosts are that Dolores brought with her. So Charlotte, you know, William called it out being Dolores. Connell's here telling Bernard, you know, I, I'm your only friend. Like all the time we spent together. So that's like a wink, wink, you know, nudge, nudge there. And then we go back to Maven Musashi. And Maeve says, the other pearls. I assumed you brought someone else. You just made copies of yourself. So that's the big quote there, guys. We find out that those pearls that she brought over, they weren't other hosts. They were just copies of her herself, her meaning Dolores. Mm-hmm. So there's like Dolores, like the original, and then there's copies. So, you know, as of the ones that we've seen so far, one comes up later on. We don't see it until episode eight. But, and that's going to be something we, we cover next week. But, uh, we, right now we know Musashi is a copy of Dolores. We know Hale is a copy of Dolores. And we know Connell's is a copy of Dolores. Then we've got Dolores herself. We've got Bernard. And we've got one more that makes a brief appearance, like I said, next mm-hmm. week when we, we tackle uh, episode 8 and, and finish out there. But at least we know the majority of who these people are. And they're all copies of Dolores as hosts. Right. Uh, yeah, and then so Musashi says... If you want something done right, do it yourself. Obviously, he's, he's Dolores. so I'm going to still call him Musashi because when you see him on screen, I don't want me saying Dolores a million times and thinking you know that's what you're seeing on the screen. So I'm going to call them by who they're imitating, if that makes sense, <laughs> and uh, continue there. So um, yeah, she says, I shouldn't have to explain that to you, Maeve. Maeve says, you said you were going to build a new world for all of us, but you just want it for yourself. And Musashi responds, the thing we're going to do isn't easy. There will be a place for the others in the world we'll build for your daughter. But I'm sorry, Maeve. I cannot let Sorak use you against us. And then the fight commences. And I was talking to you about this and how I this kind of frustrates me as well. Like, Musashi is just a copy of Dolores, not even Dolores herself. And this copy <laughs> kicks so Maeve's ass. Yeah. Kicks Maeve's ass like it. there was no tomorrow. And it was like a it was a less than 30 second fight between the two of them. But then how does the big Royal Rumble take place and go the way it goes later on when Maeve is getting killed in 30 seconds by a copy? You know, that's the thing that bugged me. That's why actually what I have here is Musashi kicks Maeve's ass and kills her in 30 seconds. And that's, yeah, yeah, that's we a, get yeah. the host bowl we, that we didn't want. Like the Clegane <laughs> bowl, which luckily we have one that kind of makes up for it later. But And I didn't break down the whole fight or anything, but just so everyone can see like how bad she got her ass kicked. 
So uh, Maeve like attacks Musashi like a few times, misses every time. Uh, Musashi <laughs> knocks the gun. Um, uh, Mrs. knocking the gun out of, uh, so she knocks the gun out of Musashi's hand. So she did land something, but that was it. Um, then like Maeve punches him and swings three more times. Uh, and then Musashi knocks the sword out of her hand. Um, he then cuts, uh, like, uh, the wax or something. Like when she like, yeah, the barrel, like she hits the wax and it starts like Mm -hmm. coming out. And then Musashi just goes, like, fucking ham on her. So she blocks him three times. But then, uh, like, he starts landing blow after blow after blow until she starts to pass out. It was like Jon Snow and Ramsay. Like, he was beating the shit out of her. And then Musashi stabbed her through the stomach with the samurai sword when she falls to the ground. Like, this was no contest. No contest. And that was the entire fight. Literally broken down because there was no fight. It was Musashi kicked her ass. And you're just like, you have all these powers. I don't get it. Exactly. And we always bring up, like, you know, who's the strongest host? And Maeve's always at the top of our list or, like, close to the top. And, like, she just got her ass kicked in 30 seconds by a copy. So that that bothered me a lot there. Mm -hmm. So, But, yeah, then we we go back to Hale and William. And, you know, Charlotte says, is it a relief, William? To know that some of your delusions are real. And this is the part where I, I said it was a setup. You know, she wanted him to blow up because she already arranged for him to be admitted to the psychiatric facility we see in a second. Mm-hmm. And now the med staff could actually see him, quote unquote, lose it. But I'll continue with the quotes. William says, I'm going to tear you apart piece by piece. Then that's when Hale goes into I'm an innocent girl mode. Like, help, please help. He's insane. And William says, and like they, like the medic people grab him, but he still thinks that they're employees of his in the company. He's like, get the fuck off me. Get the fuck off me. And then Hale says, don't hurt him. It's okay. It's okay. It's not his fault. He's sick. Yeah, <laughs> William says, I'm up, not man. sick. Don't you understand? This isn't Charlotte Hale. It's an imposter. A host. She's not real. None of this is real. None of this is fucking real. What the hell are you guys doing? You work for me. Hot damn it. You work for me. (laughs) And Hale says, William, I told you. These aren't Delos employees. They work at a private mental health hospital. You need help. (laughs) Now that you're being committed, I have to inform you that the board will deem you incompetent and all of your voting shares will transfer to the current acting president, me. And William says, no, 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 no. Hot damn you. And then that's when the medical guys tranquilize William, and he's sedated on the ground. And Hale walks up to him and grabs him by the face, looks him in the eyes and says, I promised I'd let you destroy yourself one day. Here we are, at last. And then she pricks him in the side of the neck with something on her finger, and it draws blood. And that does come up later on, why she did that. But it was just a quick moment that if you weren't paying attention, you could miss it, but it's actually super important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then what I said is like, can we actually take a second to appreciate how they made these scenes like one by one, like going from Musashi to Connells to Hale and having them like each find out that it's a copy of Dolores, like boom, boom, boom like that. I thought that was really neat and how they did that. I super, that super really slick cool. and clever. Really cool. Yeah, for sure. And so now we're, we're back to Caleb chasing down Liam. He catches him. 
And Leon yells at him. He's like, leave me alone, please. I'll pay you whatever you want. Caleb said, oh, yeah? Pay me with what? I have all of your money. Leon says, what? Who the fuck are you? And Caleb says, I'm with her. And this is when Dolores walks up. Because keep in mind, this entire time that this has been going on, Liam has never set eyes on Dolores. He still thinks that he had her killed, that the real Connells had her killed. And so she walks up almost like a ghost from the past. And he's <laughs> looking straight at her. Obviously, alive is all the get out. He looks at uh, Liam and says, Hello, lover. <laughs> <laughs> and then that kind of takes out of that scene. And we get back to Maeve, dead on the ground in a pool of her own blood. Mm-hmm. Musashi was a bad, like you know he goes down to like take her hair and like what I think he was gonna do and I think it's pretty self-explanatory he was gonna remove Maeve's pearl like yeah. take her control unit that's what he was gonna do there but Sorak's men get there too fast and Musashi has to flee and then we have the uh, the last image of this episode episode four of William in the mental institution and. He saw a hallucination of Dolores, how Dolores looked in the park. Like, with that, mm-hmm. like, how you have Dolores there on your Funko Pop, you know, that blue dress, right? And Old she says, school. William. Yeah. yeah, right? She <laughs> says, William, I guess there is some justice after all. You know, this was Emily's last wish that you spend your days rotting in an institution, a prisoner of your own sins. I guess you reached the center of your maze, William. But the maze is about understanding. You still don't even understand who you are. If any of this was your choice, wouldn't you already know? Ask me the question, William. The answer you so desperately want to know. And like, William's kind of like breaking himself down and like he's like shaking. He's shook, completely shook. And he says, Am I me? Laura says, Welcome to the end of the game. And yeah. then he looks around him, and he was alone the whole time. End episode four. So I thought that was that was pretty dope, right? That was awesome. And then, that was really you know, cool. we get, uh, we open up season three, episode five, learning a little bit about Ciroc's past. So now, like, how William's, like, narratives kind of come full circle, like how it ended there in episode four. We're starting mm-hmm. to see... In episode five here, a little bit about where Sirach came from and who he was. You know, we see in him into his past and how, you know, his city was destroyed and his brother kept them alive. Jean Mi is his brother's name. As we see Paris up in smoke in the background, and you know, one of the first quotes here that Sirach says, and I think it was really important. He says, "Humankind was hurtling towards extinction. We needed a god to save us." To save the world from self-destruction. To create order out of chaos. So we came to the new world with one goal. To build a god. So we built you. And the screen pans to that big system, Rehoboam, that we Mm -hmm. see there in the background. Yeah. Now... This is this is I I love this a lot, this next scene because it really portrays how much power Sirach has, how much he has no sort of fear of anybody in the world, and he walks straight into the lion's den, casual as any sort of conversation. I'll go into it a little bit, but Sirach is talking to like the Brazilian president, 
Right. And I know I know it's Brazilian because number one they're speaking Portuguese, and then number two I can see the Brazilian flag in the background, <laughs> right? So so just in case if you're wondering if it could have been Portugal, no, it was Brazil because you can see the Brazilian flag in the background. But fucking Brazil, <laughs> yeah, right. Sirac <laughs> so, tells the Brazilian president, he says, Rehoboam is privy to all sorts of hidden truths. For example, the private deals you've cut to restrict the, the manganese extraction to some of your friends which have squeezed money out of villages in the north, creating unrest. You will stop, and the problem will go away. And the guy's name is, his name, president's name is President Philo. And president Philo says, you flew down here to threaten me in front of my own military? And Strzok responds very calmly, our arrangement is founded in trust. We trusted that you would do what you're told when we ensured your election. And you can trust that if you don't, in 30 minutes, the value of your currency will begin inexplicably falling. The unrest in the North will boil over years ahead of schedule. You and your family will be pulled from your palace in the middle of the night. And six weeks from now, I'll be back to talk to the new president, that fellow, the one with the big mustache. Understood? Like, how bad is that badass is this guy that he flies to a foreign country, threatens a president in front of his military around him, tells him who his successor is going to be if he doesn't play ball, like, and yeah. like, it just like, and how casually did it as if he was discussing, you know, the changing of weather, man. Like, I, yeah. that was a big ass power move by Sirach, and it gets we get a little bit into his mind of like how comfortable he is knowing. Like he, he's basically untouchable, really, mm-hmm. at this right. point in time, right? Yeah, he really is. For sure. And then we start to see the process of what building Rehoboam entailed and how they needed money and data and they needed Liam Dempsey Sr. Because, which is really cool, what we learned about Liam Dempsey Sr. is he had access to both data and money because we learned he was in the right place at the right time before privacy laws. So basically... Liam Dempsey Sr.'s company, Insight, had the entire world's data. Yeah. And this is yeah, before anything that was restricted. So it was like a, a best of both worlds for uh, Ciroc and his brother, Jean Mille, what we're going to learn here in a little bit. Like this guy, you know, usually you need to go one place to get one thing and another place to get another. They had everything of what they needed right there in one person and, and Liam Dempsey Sr. So that that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah. Oh, you know, awesome. we, yeah, we see that they had many versions of Rehoboam before it was Rehoboam, and like they even named every single one. There was Saul, David, Solomon, and Solomon's very important. Yeah. You know, they mentioned that name right there. I'm not going to say why, but guys, I want you to keep in mind the name Solomon uh, later on. So, very uh, important <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we we see Dempsey Senior. He wanted to pull the plug because it wasn't working fast enough for his liking. And that's when we see, you know, Sirach's brother Jean Me try and convince Sirach that they should kill Dempsey Sr. because he'll get in the way. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a quote from Sirach. He says, What Dempsey didn't understand was that it was working. My brother had done it. He created a god. But such is the case with all great minds. He was uniquely brilliant, but also uniquely troubled. And then at that point in time, his own security guy comes in 
and tell and basically informs Ciroc that Dolores has Liam Dempsey Jr. <laughs> like, that, that, <laughs> right. like you know he finds out that you know he she like, he's her, her captive, mm-hmm. and so he's like you know find them you know use all expenses like that doesn't matter we, like whatever we need to do we gotta get these guys, mm-hmm. and that's when we get taken back to Caleb Dolores and Liam and Caleb t- t- speaks to Dolores and says we have all of his money what do we need him for. And Dolores tells him, access. We need to study our adversary, past, present, and future. And to do that, we need access to the deep layers of the system. And so what's really cool here is what we find out, the whole secret behind this, is that Dolores, the whole point of her taking Liam Dempsey Jr.'s money wasn't just to be rich. What she was trying to do is she was trying to outbid Ciroc for Delos. Right. How badass is that, man? That's badass. That's awesome. For sure. Then, you know, the next thing I got here for Dolores is her talking, you know, we're talking to Liam. She says, we can help you if you give us your private key. We can unlock the system. And Liam kind of laughs. Ciroc says, you'll never get in. My access isn't enough. You'll need to connect at the node. Bypass on-site security. Foreshadow here, guys. <laughs> and Dolores <Yeah>. says, <laughs> "Either we find a way to defeat him together, or we all die." And at this point in time, keep remember, guys. Remember, I told you from the last episode in episode four when uh, Roderick, Liam's friend, gives him that genre drug, and Liam never took it. It comes yeah. into play right here because you know Caleb kind of lets his guard down for a quick second, and Liam like hits him in the neck and injects him. With that that genre drug, and do you want to tell him a little bit about like how that makes him feel and like how that yeah. psychosis kind of goes? This was a strange episode, man. <laughs> like it was tripping balls, weird. man. <laughs> it reminded me of if you've ever been like on a party bus or something, and you're just along for the ride, but you're so fucked up, you're just like, man, I don't know what's going on around me. Like you're just going with it because you're like, yeah, yeah, good stuff. That's kind of like what this drug was doing to him. And, you know, uh, they have the, like, car uh, that comes out <clears throat> with, like, the authorities and everything. And even with the agents that are, like, arriving, like, Caleb's still tripping. Like, even with the antagonist, like, rushing them, like, it's almost like he never even gave a shit. Like, he's just kind of, like... He's like you said it best, bro. You said he's just along for the ride, like along like for the ride. like everything. Like he's got like the, the the background goes to like a scene of a movie, and that's what the whole thing is. That's like watching a movie like in different mm-hmm. scenes and genres and stuff, and like yeah, it's it, it's crazy. I do want to say this one scene was badass though. Dolores hands him like a grenade launcher, and he shoots it at the car following them and it's the shittiest shot in the a world. bad like, shot he's not even yeah. paying attention he's just like throwing it around <laughs> he's tripping balls it, and it like yeah. comes back around and hits it like it's a tracking grenade and the thing explodes everywhere all over the city but he is so fucked up he like can't even lift the gun man i, th- I thought it was great it was just very strange to see someone that's so military tactical all yeah. over the place. Yeah, he didn't have in control of his actions or anything. Like yeah. it, he was like like along for the ride was a perfect way to put it. And there was one other thing that happened there. Like I think it's super important we have to we have to detail is you know they try to escape but Liam's system runs the car and actually shuts their own car down and so yeah. 
The men get out about to execute them, and Liam has to decide if he should give Dolores his private key access or not. Mm-hmm. Then the men start spraying lead at the vehicle, and Liam, <laughs> Liam gives her his private key access. Yeah. And so it's not just important for that there. She now has his private key access that she can use at any point in time because he gave it to her right there just to get him out of that situation. But right. now she can use it at any time, whatever, for whatever purpose. Yep. So that was super important. And then my exact words that I wrote down is I, once they got that car working like outside of the system, I said, a fast and furious type street battle begins between these. Like That's what it kind of seemed like to me, yeah. Like especially the later ones. like They're flying through downtown, shooting at each other, trying to you know, blow up each other's vehicles to disable them. Or like, you know, so I just, it was really, to me, it gave me some serious like later uh, movie Fast and Furious vibes. I'm talking from like oh, five on, you know what yeah. I mean? So <laughs> I, that's, that's what I that's what I put there. That car um, chase was badass. Yeah, it was literally like five on. It reminded me of when, um, God, what was the, uh, not Jason Statham. It was like his brother was in that like car that would flip other cars over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was badass, man. I, I thought it was cool. This is what I'm talking about, though. You know, it's like you sacrifice some of the writing to come up with the amazing visuals and stunts and shit. But yeah. it, it, it was badass. It was like Mission Impossible combined with Fast and the Furious Six, <laughs> with badass. like like the genre drug, like just taking Caleb for a ride in yeah. the background. Like Hans, I thought that, that was, was cool. His name. No, Hans was the other guy. Hans, Hans was Hans was the guy in uh, like Tokyo Drift, and like that's where we first yeah, meet Hans, right. and then he comes in to play later on. But yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the bad guy's name is, but he's the guy that plays, uh, he's in The Hobbit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name off yeah. the top of my head, but I know who you're referring to. Like, when you said the car that flips other cars, like, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Awesome, man. It's but, all you. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I mean, as as they are killing their pursuers, uh, Caleb's genre like switches to love. And so this is a weird and the question is like, like did he start developing some sort of weird affection towards Dolores that went beyond just like business partners at this point, <laughs> or was it just the drug, right? Because keep in mind, you know, the yeah. reason that he decided to join us because like you're the first real thing that's happened to me in a long time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe could you know she have opened up his eyes in a way that you know he he has some sort of outside feeling in terms of physical attraction, romantic attraction, like. Does he have anything, or was it just because the genre was playing that? Because remember, he like he they're getting shot at, and he stops mid shooting and like <laughs> stares at her longingly. Like it was very very strange. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And, uh, yeah, like here's another thing. Do you think Caleb feels like attraction to Dolores, or they're just? Really that's what I'm wondering. Friends? I don't know. Well, the thing is, like, I don't know if it's Dolores or if it's the drug that caused it, but all I know in that moment, like, he decided that his own (laughs) life and shooting the the bad guys weren't worth it. He wants to stare longingly at her while the love music played in the background. It was, yeah, it was like that guy that's attracted to a girl at a club and he's so fucked up, but, like, the chick is not into it at all. And he's just yeah, like, what are you, there. Like, she gives him, you're right. She gave that look like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, start shooting. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, what you're, is you're, wrong you're right. with you? Yeah, but like yeah. so messed up. Like, you know when you hit like the, 
I don't like calling it this, but you're hitting the phase where like you can't even form words, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, like what like, I, I, ca- I call it like speak. when the lights go off upstairs. Yeah, like yeah, they, like they, you lose the night. Like, yeah. like you know what you're trying to say inside your brain, <laughs> like the words don't come out. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's it's all you, man. Good stuff. Yeah, so you know, it's it's funny because. As they're they're having that shootout, they get backup in the form of Ash and Giggles, and they end up help finishing them off, which is cool because yeah. you know last time we saw them, you know, like we thought like just like them being involved with the crime app that they were just kind of bad. Uh, I mean, they they still supporters. aren't main prominent roles, like yeah, exactly supports, but like it's like they actually do have some sort of like bond, like a friendship, like like yeah. you know, hey, it's good to see you again, like you know, it's not just like. You know, uh, we do crime and we never talk again. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, I hate you. You know, it's not like you know, they're competitors. Like, they're like they, they seem to have some sort of bond. Like giggles Ash and Caleb because I guess yeah. maybe they've done a couple jobs together and stuff. But yeah, um, it's funny. Then this is when Giggle says, I, "I I know what you want. You on genre? That's like five drips in one <laughs> a movie. A movie marathon. <laughs> That's what he says. Genre, man. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> then it, Dolores idea. tells them, you know, she kind of snaps them back into reality. Like, guys, like, enough with this bullshit. Like, <laughs> she says, we need to keep moving so they can't track us while I access Rehoboam. We have Liam's private key, but we can't stop or Sirot can locate us. If they kill him, meaning Liam, I lose my access. And Liam says, what access? You took my biometrics, but you can't get into the system. It's read only. Unless you're standing at the base of the node, you can't be in two places at once. And lo and behold, yes, she motherfucking can. <laughs> you know, because then what it does is she orders Connells to pro- to protect Bernard because we know why. You know, she wants Bernard protected. Mm-hmm. Bernard has something very special that even Bernard doesn't know about himself right now. So, right. Um, so basically, when she says, you know, you can't be in two places at once. She really is because Connell's is a copy of her, and he's at the base. No, when he walks up and tells that you know that entry level worker, like, go take a piss, like, get the fuck out. Of here. Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah, go get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yep. And then you know, Connell's even tells Bernard, he says, "This is their god. This is how they see the future, how they make the future. But in order to do that, they watch everyone, tell them what to do, where to live, who to love." keep them all in a loop and that really resonates with bernard because him being a host and him making loops and creating loops for the hosts back in westworld in season one you know like he's starting to catch on to what's really going on here you know and uh, the computer system says request complete initiating transfer meaning she's getting the the access you know dolores is getting the access that she was just talking about that liam said you know it's impossible for her to get since she's not there but lo and behold she is there <laughs> that um yeah then we just start going back in time again where like young Ciroc not like kid Ciroc but like you know I would say maybe 20 year old 25 year old Ciroc and his brother were able to get a working system and they showed them see the stock market 15 minutes ahead of time so they started making the predictive algorithms that were accurate up to 15 minutes in advance and any business not even you don't even have to be a businessman to see the advantage in that like if you know where stocks are going to be 15 minutes ahead of when they do, you know where to move your money and how to make money. You know yeah. they even they even make him these uh, like a hundred million dollars into his account. Like they, they give it they, that's <laughs> like based on the stock market they manipulate it to drive the outcomes that they want. So that's what the strategies build and and so 
you know, while Dempsey only saw it as a way to like make money, you know, while he was just focused on that, Soraka and his brother, they had a different plan entirely. He said, my brother and I, we charted a course for the entire human race. You know, he said, humanity's story had been improvised. Now, it was planned years in advance. That was what they were trying to do, is plan instead of like everything right. random happening to a predictive outcome. That's what mm-hmm. this whole thing's all about. Yeah. And uh, so both Soraka and Jean-Mi locked Dempsey Sr. out of the system because he was getting greedy and driving outcomes that only benefited himself. Mm-hmm. And so they, 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 shut, they locked his ass out of there. And then we get the <laughs> quote from Soraka. He said, but there was a bigger problem. In every projection, the world came unglued. There were people, outliers, agitators, who you couldn't predict or control. And I realized my brother was one of them. He didn't fit the world anymore, and the world didn't fit him. And it drove him mad. And then we go back to Dolores with Caleb, Liam, Ash, and Giggles on the train. And Ash basically breaks the silence and says what now and Dolores keeping her promise that she told uh, Caleb on the docks that she's going to oh like you know open up the alarm to see what people like you know how they react she says um, where is it yeah she, she goes what now and Dolores responds we're going to open their cages yeah. the system's written their life story they should get to read it and so then like they are so they're all arguing about whether or not they should be they, they should give the people this access because like Liam starts saying like you know they, they don't want to know like starts telling that's why they talk about with that that little backstory with Ash you mm-hmm. know we find out she's really only an organized crime to put her brother through school and college so he has a better chance at a better life and that's when Liam kind of is like well not nah, like you know this is what's going to happen your, your brother is going to do things that make you look like the saint you know so like uh, that's the, now things are starting to question. You know what? Well, shit. Do we really want to tell everyone their their own profile and their own life story? And then Caleb has this really awesome quote. He says, "When I was overseas, because he, he sees like a military man in the front of the train, and then he thinks back to his time in the military, and he starts talking. He says, when I was overseas, the rats were awful. It got so bad that we had to make our own rat traps in the barracks.'" A ramp leading up to some bait strung over a bucket of water. The rats would run up the ramp, fall in, and drown. Painlessly. But if you filled the water too high, they would swim around for hours, suffering, because they had hope. But they never had a chance. Just like everyone at the mercy of your system. And Leon responds, he says, Hope is what our entire society is built on. And Caleb gets kind of nasty. He says, false. Yeah. Hope. And he says, I would rather live in a world with chaos than a world controlled by you. And uh, that's when Dolores messages Connells and tells him, prepare to send all of them their insight profiles, past, present, and future. And Connells responds, it'll be done. And uh, now we go back to Connell's to, to like he's in that little spot with Bernard in, in the in the building. He says, "They've all been riding a train. We're gonna show them the rails." And yeah. Dolores says, "Do it." And so they send every human their insight profile. This is fucked up. Like imagine if yeah. you received all this. Like exactly a prediction of your own life. 
Yeah. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It they all start, so everyone's phones start going off and you know be, this is what I call the calm before the storm. Yeah. Everyone's like silent, looking at their profiles, and some people start getting emotional, crying, like the mom with the daughter and and things like that. Then Ash sitting there, and we realize, you know, what is going to come of her brother. You know, we see that on the screen mm-hmm. there, and Ash says, uh, "This is what she says." She says, "It knows these kinds of things about all of us." And Dolores responds to Ash and says, "It's not just what it knows; it's what it decides for you, for everyone." And so, yeah, everyone starts reading their profile. And then we go back to Connell's with Bernard, and he says, Almost time, Bernard. You'll have to choose a side. Bernard replies, Not just me. You'd said they'd come for you. Maybe you don't want to die on her sword. And Connell says, We all have our role to play. Some of us won't survive. And this is the quote I was mentioning before, Chase, when you were asking me, like, dude, I think Connell was ever intimidated or worried at all. Like, you see it right here. He doesn't give it. She's like, yeah, I'm probably going to die. Like, he, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, give like, a fuck. fuck it. <laughs> I just didn't yeah. want to give the quote away because I wanted to like, get it to the right time. But, yeah, yeah big moment there. So, yeah, they sent, they sent it out. You know, we learned not just to, you know, that particular city. They mm-hmm. sent the profiles out to every human in the entire world. Like everywhere. So, yeah. It, yeah. Pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Bernard even says, Bernard uh, talks, he says, she's sending them off their loops. And Connell's, and I thought like this, this quote wasn't important to the storyline, but I think it's important in life. Connell says, the right information at the right time is deadlier than any weapon. Right. That stuff's badass. Like, that is a badass was a bad quote, ass. man. <laughs> I really awesome. like that. <laughs> and, uh, so now, now we're talking the chaos. They like, said talk the calm before the storm. Now chaos is erupting in the streets. Yeah. People are like rioting, looting, breaking shit down, fires, jumping out windows, killing themselves, harming others, and like like there's like some really dramatic kind of music playing in the background. And like Caleb looks to Giggles and he says, "What genre is this?" And Giggles looks at him and he says, "It's reality, man. Like this isn't this isn't part of your drug anymore. This shit is." This is what's really happening right now. So, mm-hmm. thought that was pretty crazy, uh, you know. And then this, then Sirak's like own personal, like I don't, I don't call him an assistant, maybe security guard, bodyguard, whatever his name is. But he finds out that the people's insights profiles were sent out to the world, and from there, like it kind of takes us in like a backstory of Sirak's mind, and we find out exactly what happened to Sirak's brother and other people that the system <laughs> yeah. couldn't predict. Isn't this kind of fucked up? Like. This is fucked he, up. You go yeah. back into that memory file. Um, Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Rock even it? says. Yeah, let me, let me do this one, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you for for Connell's and Bernard. Um, okay. When because like you, we get that awesome that little like action scene there, and then but with Bernard Connell's, and then that person makes a reappearance real quick. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, cool. so <laughs> I'll finish this up and I'll turn it over to you. But uh, Rock says, my brother is part of a population of outliers. And as long as they are a part of us, there is no future for us. Rehoboam sends this group to high-risk sectors like war, a wood chipper to eat them up and spit them out, dead or useless. Isn't helping them better than killing them? And Dempsey Sr., because this is a flashback, responds, you're not helping them, you're changing them. And Sirach tells him, 
We adapt or we die. We all die. So this is like this. What they're doing is like behavioral conditioning therapy, you know, and it's really fucked up. But yeah, well, uh, to, to kind of like to almost justify it in a way, Sirac tells Dempsey Senior that like his brother was planning on murdering him, him being Dempsey. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then we get you know back to Connells and Bernard, and they have a quick little. I don't know if he wrote down the quote. I did. I have it. But if you've got it, great. Read that in there. But then you get you know a surprise. Uh, reunion here real quick but uh i'll let you go ahead and 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 take that away man yeah i thought this was really cool because it it even supports more of what you're saying how connell's is really kind of calm unbothered even with (laughs) rock there um so you have uh bernard and Stubbs uh take martin uh hostage so who who is connell's um and then this is when Oh, come on, man. You, you, you didn't even give him the, the showdown when Stubbs pops out of the elevator? Come on, man. That was cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, that I'll, was cool. He was like... Here, let, let me give him that quick one real quick. One. They, Go for it. They, they, yeah. they deserve it. So right now, it's just Connell's and Bernard, right? And Connell's tells Bernard, it's begun. Ciroc will send someone for us soon. But there's something you have to see first. Bernard says, what is this? some type of facility because he shows them on the behavior tablet what it is mm-hmm. and Connell says that's where he puts them the ones that don't belong now this place comes up really important later on that he sees on that the facility where they keep the outliers and what they do to them you know yeah. which we don't know yet but like it's that keep this scene in mind guys because it's super important and so Connell continues he says you thought we were the enemy we're the only family you have left and that's when Stubbs pops out of the elevator and he says, I think you forgot about me. Yeah, and then that he was starts a- Yeah, then he starts attacking Con- Connells and then, again, gets his ass kicked because Stubbs can't catch a break in this damn season. Yeah. And Connells, like, like, he even's like, oh, help Bernard. And Bernard had to get the uh, control unit out of Connell's pocket and, and, and stops him. But, like, man, Stubbs got a heart of gold, but, oh, boy, he's not – it doesn't never ends up too well for him. But <laughs> no. now from here, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you that because I think uh, – I thought that was an important part there that we should have given him. See, that's – it's funny we take different notes because I was like, I took him hostage. Like, cool. <laughs> like, all right. Then again, I'm well, the Well, the, 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 the part where they find out what they like, – where they keep the, the people yeah. who don't belong, like, that's the really important part. No, that was but, cool. That was good stuff. But so um, are you taking you know, the part where like Martell arrives with like the hit squad? Is that where you're at right now? Yeah, and Sarah. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So you know they're all kind of right there, and and that's when Martin turns around and looks at Bernard and Stubbs because he's like, oh shit, like we're in for a shit storm. And he says, leave. She will kill us all. You're the only one we can't replace. And that's when. I can't remember what her name is. Um, the blonde girl that's like Ciroc's, like yeah, Martell. Yeah, that's her name's Martell. Martell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she walks up, and Bernard and Stubbs exit, and then she just says, "Ciroc wants to speak with you." And he's like, "Well, shit." So he has to follow them into that room, where you know he's waiting on him, and Ciroc yeah. appears. And keep in mind, it's like you'll see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Not mm-hmm. doing it. But Sarah goes, looking at Martin, and this is where Martin really keeps his cool. But he said, uh, you have always been one of our most loyal allies, Martin. So I'm most surprised here the breach came from this location. 
Let me look into it. <laughs> like, just like, fuck off. Then I'm gonna take a look for you. <laughs> like, oh shit, but fuck off. I assume you don't... I assume you understood we must keep our friends close until we decide who's to blame. I know exactly who's to blame. Who? Me. And this is when Martin, like, pulls... It was like a grenade or something in the entire Yeah, like, so there was... There was a charge underneath the table, like a charge, and he activated it it with his little swipe there that was super nonchalant. He activated it there, and then he detonated it when he hit that button there when he said, me. And then, like, to your point, The floor explodes. Awesome. uh, Yeah, you want to give the big reveal there? Yeah, so he detonates the charge and takes out Martell and the whole hit squad with him. But as is kind of the running narrative here, Sorak is never in the place that he appears to be. It's almost always a hologram, and mm-hmm. so when it explodes, uh, you know, you see Sirak like kind of jump back, like you know, recoil a little bit, but he's in his own little area as he sees like like the image kind of get destroyed because the bomb, you know, blew up the yeah. projectors and stuff. So he was just a hologram that entire time talking to to Connells. And he's pissed. Remember, he was in the plane and he was just like, "Fuck, like yeah. shit." <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because like he never seems like one of those guys that would lose his cool because he's always in control of all the situations. Yeah. Which so goes to show, got this them is shook. Really a big, sorry, I keep interrupting. Yeah, no, he got him shook. That's all. He got him shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And um, next thing I have is you know Stubbs outside with Bernard and he says, "Yo, what the fuck happened in there? Mm-hmm. And what the fuck happened out here?" And Bernard responds to me says, "Her plan, it's starting." I think I'm part of it, uh, but now to your point, we talked about this a little bit before. Like we don't, they don't need Liam anymore. Like Liam's really useless at this point. They got all the data they needed. They sent the insight profiles to every single human in the world. So Liam's kind of just like a loose end, but like a harmless loose end. Like they just yeah. they don't know what the fuck to do. They're like, let's get rid of this guy, right? And even like Lee, like you said, Liam kind of catches the shaft here, like you know, but. Uh, <laughs> They're trying to figure out what to do with him, and Liam starts popping off at the mouth, like getting mad, disrespectful, and so Ash gets tired of it and just caps his ass, shoots him, <laughs> like, and and Caleb kind of like jumps into like that that um I would say the PTSD mode of when like his friend Francis was shot, and he's down there trying to save him, and he's like grabbing his chest trying to stop the blood, uh, you know, very similar there. Uh, you see, he starts having flashbacks. But they're ones we haven't seen before. This is what I wrote down. I don't like want to get too much away, but flashbacks start happening for Caleb right there. But they're ones that aren't the um, typical ones that we've seen from Liam in the past uh, episodes of season three. So, or not from Liam. I'm sorry, from Caleb, in, in season three. But long story short, Caleb can't save Liam, and Liam dies there. Like literally, what you were saying, like this guy, you took everything from him. Like he's got no money. He's got no, like, pride. He's got no position of power. He just, like... They even take his fucking glasses. Like, he's like, dude, like, you guys have taken everything from me. Like, just, just leave me the fuck alone. Dude, and, this like, is when Liam... Sorry, not to interrupt. Yeah, dude, take it, take it. Uh, I was just gonna say, Liam really gets the shit into the stick, man. Like, yeah. he's done nobody wrong, and they've taken all his shit, and now he gets fucked over even more. Like, this is so fucked up, and no one gives a shit. Like, it's like... No one yeah. sticks up for this guy. If I was there, I'd be like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. Y'all are the fucking thieves. If I was Liam, 
I would have done something. I would have tried to call the cops, do some shit. I would have fought, fought until my last breath. I, I can't believe it. I'll let you take it away and tell, uh, tell Liam's fate here. Yeah, you know, he ends up just dying right there on the beach with like the, with like he's got the bullet holes in his body that she shot him with. Her, she being Ash, and then after she shot him, Ash and Giggles walked off like it was no big deal, like it was a casual Sunday so stroll. And then like, you know, and, and he, like Caleb's kind of freaking out, like, what do we do? He looks at Dolores, and Dolores kind of even just shrugs it off, like, nothing we can do. Gotta keep moving. Like, so like, they so just kind of leave up. him there. Like, yeah. They just leave him there with like the waves crashing on him, dead bloody body, like it. That's really fucked up, man. But um, that's that's our fate I, for Liam. Do you have a question for you? Like, I mean, this is the only time where I'm like, I feel some type of way against. I call him Marshawn. <laughs> Marshawn really had nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> Giggles, Ash, and even Dolores and fucking Caleb, because like. Dolores, one, she acted like she was in a relationship with this guy, and she's just like, well, whatever, I was really just there for a mission, fuck him. Caleb's like, well, yeah, I can still be friends with Ash and Giggles, even though they just fucking murdered somebody. <laughs> and then Ash and Giggles are like, whatever, we just fucking killed somebody. That's fucked up. Like, that's fucked up. You just took someone's life, and you're like, ah, whatever, they're still good people. No, yeah. you fucking murdered somebody. You're not good, good people. You have a choice. That's what this was about. Ash had a choice, and she chose to fucking kill him. Yep. And what's crazy, too, is Liam was the one telling them all about their outcomes, but he didn't even predict. Well, he did predict his own, because remember, he's like, you know, uh, you know, you guys should just leave me here. And she's like, is that what you see in your glasses? And he says, no, you'll take every last thing from me. So, like, uh, yeah, it was it was a sad sad ending for our boy Liam, but whatever, he sucks. Uh, so. I wouldn't say he's our boy. I'm just saying what's yeah. fucking right and wrong. Maeve would have stuck up for his ass because Maeve fights for the good. Like, I want to say Dolores, right? She's not really an antagonist, but she's like that character that almost like Oprah like, and Martel. She, I would say this, like instead of keep drawing comparisons back to people, I would just say like she's a very like the ends justify the means type mentality person. Yeah, like she, like, yeah, like you know she has to do what she has to do to accomplish the like what she believes is the right thing for you know the majority of people in the world. But, yeah, true. But, fucked up. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Still fucked up though. Yeah. It was messed up, but then we get uh, so Sebastian is actually the name of Ciroc's like like advisor, a hot top security guy, whatever his position is. His name's Sebastian. He actually informs Ciroc that Dolores was looking for his files because remember what we learned before, like Ciroc's like super anonymous. Like, you don't know anything about him. He's scrubbed all his files clean from any record system. So now that he she's got access to the system, she's looking at his files. And so then we get a flashback of the last interaction that Ciroc had with Liam Dempsey Sr., the one that just died's father. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they kind of get out of that limo there. They have a couple words back and forth. But the real quote that I have, the, the uh, dialogue that was important, Dempsey Sr. says, I'm going to tell them what Rehoboam saw, what you've done. And Ciroc replies, the trouble is, Rehoboam ran millions of project, project, projections. 
Every scenario in which you inform the public about my trials ends in human extinction. This is why my brother wanted to kill you. And Dempsey replies, Well, I looked too, and I know you let me walk away from here. And Sirach responds, I would tend to agree with the system, but see, there are little white spaces, rare moments when randomness interacts with your life that create a truly free space where you can make a choice, a bubble of agency. And Sirach says, I left my brother behind. Do you think I would really let you undo everything he built? And Dempsey Sr. looks up, he's like, and he sees something burning. He's like, that's my jet. And then in the background, you see, you hear Sirach's voice, but it's not particular with this scene. It's like a parenthesis type of deal. It says, forgive us our sins. What we did, we did to save the world. Then it does go back to that scene, that scene and Sirach says, I'm sorry, you didn't make it. And he kills uh, Liam Dempsey Sr. So that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that was so fucked up. both the Liams got really shafted uh, by everything that's been going on. And so just, that kind of goes to show you, money isn't everything, boys. Yeah, <laughs> and girls. I, this was. I hate to say it like this because this is screwed up, but it was a gorgeous scene. <laughs> yeah, <had>, like. <laughs> The plane was crashed, and remember the plane wing was there, and he smashes his head over and over on the plane wing. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened. Make it, <laughs> yeah. It was you did another make messed it, up scene. So I hate to use that word like gorgeous, but that's what it was. <laughs> it was it was definitely uh, memorable. We'll say that memorable. <laughs> Ooh, it was, it was yeah. and it was glorious. It was, <laughs> it was glorious. Like that, that, that you're on grade joy. When yeah, he said that, I hate like, to oh, keep bringing that shit up, man. Yeah, Game of Thrones. He said, such he, a he, said he hates to life. do it, but does it has done it every single Westworld episode. There's not been one Westworld episode that we've done that Westworld Chase has not brought at least one. I wasn't even going to bring it up last <laughs> at least episode, one and they Game fucking wrote it in the script. One Game of Thrones reference every Westworld. I challenge you next week, Chase, for the final episode of Westworld when we tackle episode seven and eight to not make one Game of Thrones reference. That's my challenge for you. That's difficult. Next week. That's difficult. <laughs> like, like, difficult. Poor Westworld. We we just spent half a year on Game of Thrones and Westworld wants its own time to shine and Chase wants to keep dragging oh, like yeah, it's, like, it's like it's like it's uh, like comparing your new girlfriend to your ex girlfriend. Like, let it fucking go. <laughs> hey, I didn't- I didn't even bring up who said that. I just said it was glorious. <laughs> I knew what you were I talking bet it about. Was glorious. <laughs> okay, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> sure. So then, uh, you know, we go back to Dolores, and she she was one that saw that memory happen through that lens, that like contact lens that she has. She was like looking into like Sirach's file of memory, and so Sirach now is speaking directly to Dolores. He tells her, "This is my system. I alone control it." And Dolores responds, The people who made me, they always thought they had control. They're all dead now. <laughs> and Sirach says, You think you know me because you watched a few of my memories? To which Dolores says, I don't need to know you. Just how to beat you. And Sirach says, You've died too many times, Dolores. You're beginning to think you're immortal. And Dolores says, I can be killed. 
same as you. Your God can't protect you or your people. And Sirach replies, I would sacrifice much more to protect my kind. We are flawed, but I can change that. And Thor says, like you changed your brother. It's time everyone woke up. And then, then she walks through his his projection hologram, like like just like super digital, just walks right through his projection hologram. And this is where you see Sirak is really shook. Like he's standing there, like shaking, like angry on his like private jet where he really is. Yeah. You know, she got to him, which is badass. And then to close out this episode five, uh, Caleb and Dolores, they're like kind of like someone hands Caleb. A, a bag and he asks what it is he's like I just, I'm just i just a delivery man so anyways he gives a bag you know we can kind of assume it's weapons which you know comes up in this next episode that we'll jump into here in just a second uh, but Caleb talks to Dolores he tells her maybe Liam was right maybe people shouldn't know their own fate and Dolores says people have the right to know you wanted to know right and Caleb says well Maybe I'm not like other people. Dolores looks at him and kind of says, like, amused. She's like, neither am I. And then, like, it has, like, that song just fade out. Uh, it was kind of cool, that song, like, yeah. fading out of episode five, and that's it. So that ends that's episode badass. five. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, yeah, we'll kind of jump into episode six here, which will conclude, you know, after we finish episode six right now, that will conclude this week's podcast before we finish off with Westworld next week. Uh, for season three, episodes seven and eight. Mm-hmm. So, to jump into episode six, um, I have Sirak and Maeve in the Valley Beyond scenery. That's what I called it. I know it's like they call it the Sublime this season for some reason, but like they they had that scenery, and Maeve knows it's fake. But Sirak basically tells you know, oh, it could be real though. Like basically trying to dangle the mm-hmm. carrot in front of her, and like this is and, and this is how I know that that's the case is because of what Maeve says. So. Uh, Sirach tells Maeve every image you see is recorded and stored you have no past because it's always the present talking about Maeve's cognition and how right. you know everything is is a perfect image and so Maeve responds to him and he says, she goes you're trying to give me an incentive that's not what I need I want what Dolores has Sirach asks and what is that and Maeve smiles and says, "Help!" Oh, and to shit. me, in, in that moment, exactly. That's I, I had that same thing. I was like, "Fuck yeah, the band's getting back together, baby." He's gonna, he's gonna green light the town. fact, like, yeah. I'm like, dude, sweet. Like, and, well, in my mind, I was like, I wasn't even just thinking like Hector and Lee. I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" Like, Armistice is coming back. Like, mm-hmm. I was thinking in my head, like, I'm like, unfortunately, I, you know, I was overzealous, and that's not what happened. But in my head, I'm like, they're gonna have everyone back there. They're gonna have. You know, all, all those people that, like, took the bullets, like, you know, their whole thing. Like, maybe Would, Lutz, uh, Felix yeah. Lutz and Sylvester come back. I thought we were going to get the whole band back together, but it was kind of uh, anticlimactic of who we actually got. It was <laughs> very, very predictable. So expectation versus reality was not on my favorable side here. But, <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, and that's when Maeve wakes up in War World and... 
to the point, remember how we were talking about this uh, last week when you started asking me if Lee had any sort of like romantic involvement with Maeve or if Maeve liked Lee in any sort of way. And I was like, no, because everything she does, she says with sexual innuendos. Because like she walks out and she's like, I believe the person you're looking for is me. And everyone in the war world turns their weapons on her. And that's when Maeve says, now, now, boys, don't you know a lady likes a little warm up before you brandish your weapon at her? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's just how she is. She just says everything awesome. super, like, sexually. But uh, then she mind controls them to drop their guns and just starts kicking their ass in hand-to-hand combat. One She's at like, a time. But, like, keep <laughs> yeah. in mind, and it made no sense because, remember, Musashi fucked her up in 30 seconds, but now she can just take out an entire platoon of soldiers, <laughs> like, hand-to-hand combat one at a time, like you said. But she dies in 30 seconds to a copy of Dolores. I, I, yeah. I'm never going to let that live down. Like, I'm upset about that. It, but, was, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah for sure. She was like, and I know, know you love this fun. part. Uh, yeah, I do want to take this. Yeah, for one. sure. It's <laughs> my favorite. Oh, I'm going. I'm going to set the. I, I'm going to set the scene for you. I'm going to date because I remember you were telling me like you were laughing so hard about this scene. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to set the scene for before I turn it over to Chase, uh, we you know we get to this little circle and we realize that it's a group therapy session and and this man is telling his like story about his battles with depression and. You know, William, you see William, and he basically scoffs at, like, the man's story. And the doctor said, you know, kind of interjects, and she goes, all right, William, do you want to share more of your thoughts with us? And Chase, I'm going to have you take it from there, brother. So the man in black just looks around the room and just goes, God, do you believe in Santa Claus, too? I think humanity is a thin layer of bacteria on a ball of mud hurtling through the void. I think if there was a god, he would have given up on us long ago. He gave us a paradise and lie that used everything up. We used everything up. Yeah. Yeah. We dig up every every ounce of energy and burned it. We consume and excrete, use and destroy. Then we sit here on a neat little pile of ashes, having squeezed anything of value out of this planet. And we ask ourselves, why are we here? You want to know what I think of your purpose is? It's obvious. You're here along with the rest of us to speed the entropic death of this planet, to service the chaos. We're maggots eating a corpse (laughs) they look at him and the council attendee goes what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) and then what's he do he fucking like laughs at he like he like laughing he's like what the fuck is wrong with you because remember he made that one girl cry there was that one like older like lady like middle-aged woman just sitting there crying like no 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 and then the guy who was telling his story about his battle of depression is like what the fuck is wrong with you like yeah dude but uh then we get to him like taken into the separate room there and the doctor comes in and we see him remove the glove and like remember we had questions about this a couple weeks ago about you know what actually happened to william's hand and like what was gone and like we actually see it now his Mm -hmm. uh pointer finger his middle finger and his thumb were were Mm -hmm. basically blown off 
So he still has a full ring finger and a full pinky finger. So it's not like a stub on his hand. It's like, you know, basically he only has two full fingers and then a bunch of like nubs from what got blown off from the gun. But uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, Dr. Lang, she actually ends up assigning William to AR therapy. And what AR therapy is, it's called augmented reality. And this is going to come up really big here in just a few minutes uh, of what, you know, that augmented reality treatment does to him in his own mind. And it's nuts because it's one of the coolest, like, this This was good story, like, relying plot from, from the writers. I love that part. But right. I'll go ahead and, and talk about, you know, basically Dr. Lane's telling me, you know, you need to confront what happened there in the park. And William says, I don't need any therapy to confront the truth. I know what I did. I didn't mean for it to happen. I was confused. Turned around. I spent so long playing the game, I couldn't see outside of it. But I see now. It was her. My Emily. And I killed her. That's why I don't belong here. I belong in a pine box. And Dr. Lang is like crying... But like, like it almost seems like she's emotional about his story, until you the camera pans to her and she's crying because she's looking at her phone, and on her yeah. phone is her insight profile, and she read her profile and her life proje- projection. I paused it on the screen and wrote it down and why she was crying. Yeah, her so projection was, yeah, loss of medical license in one to two years, divorce and loss of custody of her child in about two point five years. And the causes were multiple affairs with patients and an opioid addiction. Fuck. So, yeah, that's really fucked up. Especially of what happens now that that information's out and she knows her path and what she ends up doing in like just a few minutes. That that William catches like just out of the corner of his eye on her in her office, right? But, uh, uh, they install William's limbic implant and to show you because like what Chase said. Uh, you know, to kind of give, an, give you an idea, I think you mentioned it last week. It's very similar to like those little metal retainers you would put in the roof of your mouth. Yep. But they have like drills, and it drills in there, and it's supposed to like when you get the tabs, it goes into your bloodstream to give you whatever sensation mm-hmm. or feeling that's desired. Like you know, that's why in episode one he wanted like a desert sunset or whatever it was. Like you can pick and choose what you know scenery or like your surroundings to be to put you in the best you know frame of mind you know mm-hmm. like for therapy right so but we actually get to see you know william like strapped down like is like he's a crazy person like strapped down to the thing head like held back with the like things opening his mouth and they drilling like they, they drill a thing and it's like almost like an automatic drill they put it in there and it drills itself up into the roof of his mouth and now mm-hmm. he's got one of those uh, limbic implants as well and after that gets installed they start walking down the hall and this is what i was just talking about william looks over to his left and he looks into dr lang's office and what he sees is her standing on her desk walking off the edge of it hanging herself so dr lang hung herself in her own office and he saw it while he was sedated and uh, like you know just had this implant thing so you know and with him he, he doesn't even ever know what he's if he, what he's seeing is real or not but obviously that was that was the case and so 
that's when uh, you know divergence. We get this, this the white circle on the screen. Divergence, San Francisco, USA. Coordinates 37.7502 north and 122.4337 west. Uh, we get to uh, Jake and Hale. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny because what Jake's full name is, it's Jacob Reed. And the reason I know that is because I paused it on his insight profile because I'm very, I'm very, that's why it takes me so long to do my notes is because like I try to be as thorough as possible when talking about things that are important to the storyline to either get you to understand a character or something that's going to come full circle around, you know, later on or just a big moment that's big to the plot line in general. So the reason why is because I'm going to back this up right here and I'm going to ask a question for you. Uh, or at least see if you agree with me here. But, you know, they start talking about, like, what's going to happen, you know, and Hale asks Jake, you read your profile. And Jake said, I wanted to know what happened, not with me, but with us. My thoughts here, they could have took this in such a great way. Because remember, the system has no information on Dolores. Mm-hmm. Meaning, by default, it wouldn't have any information on this Charlotte Hale. This would have been an amazing opportunity for Jake to realize that Hale was an imposter because if he looked in his insight profile to see if like they had a future together, she wouldn't be in it because she doesn't exist to that system. Right. So I think that's a really big missed opportunity for Jake to realize that she's an imposter because, like I said, Rehoboam would have no record of her existence in it shouldn't have given Jake an answer to tell him, like you know, the re- that the real Hale was dead this whole time, because it wouldn't have. It would have basically said if he looked at that, it would have said there is no chance because she's already really dead. The Charlotte Hale that he knows, right? You I, know what I mean? I agree with you. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't exactly say that's a flaw in the writing, though, because I'd say I just think well, I think they had a missed opportunity. I didn't think that's yeah. a flaw in the writing. I'm just saying they could have took in that and they could have ran with it. I think it would have brought an extra layer to everything and you know because everything's kind of gone too smoothly for the host for the most part yeah like there's really. that hasn't really been any sort of conflict for them yet you know that's pretty much coming up here shortly outside <laughs> of connell connell's blowing himself up but right. you know even that isn't what it seems as we kind of go forward mm-hmm. into it but yeah i don't know i just thought i just thought it was a cool little tiny thing that they could have used I, I i'd see it as a missed opportunity uh you know, just to add some conflict for for uh, the host, but yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. And you know, they it could have wound up extending it out the full ten episodes, but I guess you know they were wasting so much on cast and explosions they had to make it eight <laughs> episodes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You know, the next thing I have is Charlotte Hale meeting up with Brompton, and she's he's that board member that's kind of been like a thorn in her side this entire time, but mm-hmm. this time she, he's kind of on her team a little bit. And Hale asks him, like, were you able to convene the board? You know, the money's waiting. And Brompton replies, they're convening in one hour. To which Hale says, cutting it close. Ciroc's takeover bid becomes final at noon. This is our last chance to fend him off. And Brompton replies, I just walked on water for you. Are you really going to quibble about how many steps I took? (laughs) And Hale says, (laughs) do we have the votes? Brompton says, between yours and mine, we should squeak by. But that's when hitmen, disguised as cleaning service crew, assassinate Brompton right in front of Hale, and they can no longer stop Ciroc's takeover. 
Which is badass. That was so smart. Yeah, oh, he's he, he's in control, man. Like he's he he uh, puppet master. That's what he is, man. Pulling the strings behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And Huge I mean, puppet master. That was like a big fu to Charlotte. Is what right. It was. And the thing is, is like if he should know at this point, Charlotte's been working actively against him. But it's mm-hmm. like he still doesn't know because later on he still expects things from her. So. You know, it's like he is smart, but is he really that smart? Because she's still kind of flying under the radar under his nose at this point. Right. So Yeah, no, definitely. Um he did have a really cool quote here. Take uh, it away. That he said. So you know, that's when um <laughs> he says he looks at like from wherever he was. Wasn't he like in a helicopter or something at the time? When he sent the message. Yeah. Yeah, he says, Charlotte, he calls her on the phone. Charlotte, I apologize. It took me a moment to intercept correspondence between Brompton and Delos board, but it appears he was convening a board vote for privatization. That should no longer be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was like just a big fuck you. And Charlotte says, you just assassinated a board member in broad daylight. And Sirach says, one advantage of Dolores's data leak has been that chaos with all the deaths and disappearances. It's easy to hide <laughs> one more. And Charlotte <laughs> says, and Dolores, uh, Dolores, we are closer to finding her. And Sirach says, we are, closing, we are closing in on her as we speak. I'll be landing at Delos shortly. Looking forward to seeing my new acquisition. I trust you'll be there to greet me. Like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, she's you're like. You're on my time. Yep. Yeah. That's badass. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Then, you know, so Sirach's on his way to Delos and wants help. Like you said, he wants him to greet him when he lands. And, you know, help mm-hmm. immediately calls Dolores and tells Dolores what happens. And so Dolores, uh, he, she quick, thinks quickly on her feet and she goes, tells Hale to get the host making data from Delos before Ciroc destroys it. So it's like Dolores already has an idea of what Ciroc's going to do. Mm-hmm. And why is the host making data important? Because this whole thing is like she wants to create a world where her kind can be safe. Right. Now if she's the only one left and they don't know how to make hosts anymore and they get the data and how to do so, it's gone. They won't be able to. So she tells Hale, you know, I need you to get the host making data from Delos before Ciroc destroys it. Yeah. And, and then kind of to what we were talking about uh, last week, Hale is like really starting to believe that she really is Charlotte Hale because she uses yeah. the word like my family, and, and then Dolores has to remind her it's it's not your family, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so my question is like, why wasn't this happening for any other of Dolores's copies? This shit wasn't happening for Musashi. This shit wasn't happening for Connells. This shit wasn't happening for any other copy other than Charlotte Hale. Why do you think that is? Why like was that just like a, like a plot hole or was there a reason on why it specifically wasn't working for Hale's like copy I don't understand yeah I don't have an answer for that either that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah because it's not like Connell's was like freaking out about who he was he was happy to sacrifice himself Musashi we see what happens to him next week like you know none of them ever 
start like thinking that they're that person. They understand their role and the objective of what they're trying to do, and they do it. It's only oh. this Halo host that has been having these weird issues. However, my argument to that is is none of them were really around a family either. And remember Logan back in season two. You know, even though there's no free will, it all brought them to one point. Even if you discover consciousness, it doesn't mean you can't make your their own decisions, which is kind of like what we kind of discover later on down the road. Like, they're all kind of branching out. Um, so it makes you wonder, maybe if you... Because keep in mind, Connell and Musashi, they're not spending time with a family like Charlotte is. So maybe it's like that emotional connection with that previous family life or something that is making the difference but it doesn't really explain that either yeah it doesn't explain it i would be curious to know because that's just something i I definitely took note of like why Mm. is it so hard for her and everyone else is like completely fine (laughs) like yeah (laughs) but uh yeah you know dolores you know continues on with her quotes she says continue to play your part get us the data we need and when you're done, we'll build our new world together. That's a huge foreshadow. Mm-hmm. Real big right there. Right. So I wanted to detail that. And then we kind of go back to William and they strap him down with the augmented reality glasses. And this is that AR treatment that Dr. Lang had prescribed for him to like undergo. Mm-hmm. And this, <laughs> this is like one of my favorite... Uh, you know, not not this part right here, but we're coming up on one of my favorite scenes in all of season three. But, anyways, uh, they get the um, glasses on him, and he sees like the child, like I would say maybe seven, eight year old version of himself, mm-hmm. and he goes back to the childhood memories. And at first, what it seems like, because all you hear is like an old, like like a father's voice yelling. So you get like these vibes of maybe he was like in an, like a family that he was like abused like, like an abusive father you yeah. know like that's what it tries to make you think right there and what we learn later on is that it's not entirely the case right so uh yeah he, he actually like freaks out and bites the medic's finger off for trying to sedate him do you remember that <laughs> he bit yeah, that guy's finger yeah. clean off man uh then that take you know once they kind of get him <laughs> strapped back in there and that one guy goes to take care of his hand we jump over to Sirak arriving at Delos. And Hale says, I thought you might be excited to tour your new company. And Sirak says, yes, and to meet my new employees personally. Lock down the entire facility. No one leaves. Get me the assets I requested. And that uh, jumps us back over to Maeve kicking all the soldiers' asses there's a big pile of like 30 dead all around her. Like she just, she just fucked him up in like yeah. piles of like, talk about let the bodies hit the floor. Like straight yeah. up. Like, uh, By the way, he, I do want to bring this up because I actually yeah. paused it and counted the screen. It's 56 soldiers dead. Oh, geez. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't, I'm glad. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Let the bodies hit the flow. <laughs> let the bodies hit the flow. She kicked ass, man. And. I, 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 it was so to the point of when I even paused it to try to figure out how many there was, I had to recount it five times because there were so many. I was afraid I was actually counting the same one multiple times, but it was 56 soldiers she killed. That's crazy. And like, she had a problem with a copy. That's all I'm, I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, keep getting annoyed by yeah, that. Like, I you know, she, that. 
But uh, <laughs> it's like it's not even like it was a good fight and she ended up losing. It was a 30-second ass whooping she took and she got stabbed through the stomach with a samurai sword. Like, you didn't last well at all, but then you can go hand-to-hand combat and kill... You know, 57, 56 guys. 56 guys <laughs> yeah. Like, unbelievable. That's but, uh, what Jon Snow and Battle of the Bastards did times yeah. three or four. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So silly. And without any weapons, just hand-to-hand combat. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. crazy. Mm-hmm. And... So, you know, with Maeve, you know, after she had kicked all the asses and you see the big pile of dead around her, this is another part. Like, I just, like, it was, like I said, not an important quote, but just a little sassy thing that she says because, like, of her, like, way, the way that Going her personality back to said, is. Yeah. She goes, well, that got me in the mood. <laughs> so, you know, and but then. I guess um, who was standing there when she well, said it? Your boy, Mr. Lee Sizemore, <laughs> says, right. how about a drink? Agree to disagree. It's because she wanted Night to get club in. her buttons and get her nice little foot smashy smash on, if you know what I'm saying. Loosen up my buttons, baby. Until a uh, guy comes in and ruins it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because like, she even kind of picks on him, like, you know, like, what are you doing like in this bar? He's like, well, it's the only bar in this, you know, simulation. <laughs> and she, he's like, like, what? Was I supposed to go back to work after realizing I don't actually exist? <laughs> I like, thought that was pretty funny. That was you know, awesome. he, his, his character really did grow on me. I didn't know how I felt about him when we first met. I know, obviously, this isn't technically yeah. the size more, but like, still, I liked how they've come along with his image at the very least i do but, like uh, one thing he said real quick not to yeah t- take you, it yeah do it he said uh remember he was like taking like um i don't know if it was a fruit or no it was a martini glass from like the host he said i programmed <laughs> them so they can't even see me <laughs> like and, why and then but then remember, remember what Maeve said back she goes how is that different from any other time you walk in a bar <laughs> uh, yeah that's awesome she said uh is that any different from um, no, she said, "Is that any different from your usual bathroom experience regarding bar? That? No, ba- no bar room experience." I, I mean, oh, I thought it was bathroom, no. like in no. season one when he pissed on the map. I no. was like, "Oh, it shit. was okay, bar room." Yeah, bar room, room. like basically Fucking saying like you don't get any attention when you walk into a bar, anyways, on your best days, like just kind of razzing him. You know what I mean? Got it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was wondering, how did she know about him pissing on the map? But. Yeah, no, it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. But yeah, no, I just thought it was a funny thing. Like, that's totally to throw some shit in there. Like, the speech where he's like, oh, I'm holier than thou. Because yep. I wrote this for myself. <laughs> Agreed. Awesome. Uh, yeah, dude. And then they're just kind of hanging out there because what's happening is her body's being reprinted since Musashi killed her in 30 seconds with a samurai sword and so she needs to have her body reprinted so she can put a pearl back in and so that's why she what she's doing in warworld now right here mm-hmm. in the first place is she's waiting for that to take place and so uh she kind of feels like a shift and she says we're home he no, kept his word moved. well he said yeah but the, she said we moved but like like the whole thing is like we're home like that's where she, they, they moved to he said we're home okay he kept his word which means soon I'll be reunited with some old friends. Because remember, she said mm-hmm. she needed help. And right. that's what he, he wanted the help there. She's, Soon I'll be reunited with some old friends. And then she, like, as she's, like, looking through it, she sees another control unit. And she says, well, that's interesting. It seems I've been given an extra gift. And we see what it is, and it's a damaged control unit. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and we actually find out whose control unit that is uh very not, you know not too far from now but mm-hmm. uh that takes us back to Ciroc and the board at Delos and Ciroc you know he just bought this company and he's just kind of coming in and laying his dick on the table right away like he's just yeah. making like you know what I mean just yeah, telling is. people how it is like he his thing he goes it's done have asset management retask all corporate satellites to the park facility. I have three additional assets for them to copy over. The three additional assets were who he was bringing for Maeve, like help for Maeve. Those were the right. three additional assets, right? Mm-hmm. And then he so said, once they've been transferred, you can destroy everything else. Then Joanna Adler, which is one of the, the board members, she goes, destroy it? That's the better part of a trillion dollars in intellectual property. The company's legacy. And Sirach looks at her and says, and I want all of it erased. <laughs> the only thing I want out of this place is what you promised me when he, when he looks at Hale at that point in time. Yeah. The encryption key, which apparently I'm going to have to retrieve myself. The rest can burn. We have one other pressing problem. Dolores made multiple copies of herself, and given the strategic importance of Delos, there is no doubt one here as well. I want all employees tested for aberrations, memory lapses, any significant deviations from Rebohom's predictions. No one leaves until then. I'm sure you can handle at least that. And Hal says... Absolutely. If there's a host here, we'll root them out. Which yeah. is ironic because she's the host that she's going to root out. But, right, exactly. Yeah. And this is kind of cool too because what she does is she immediately goes down and kind of takes care of what Dolores asked her. She starts downloading the host making data. She gets caught. She kills the guy yeah. and takes the device. And she takes the device and she now has that. The host making data on her on an external drive so she now has what dolores has asked for at this point in time what's super important right because remember Sirach wants it all destroyed mm-hmm. now we uh this is it's funny because we get back to william and we see someone like a familiar face wake him up but keep in mind once we find out this this actually is still in his augmented reality and it may, that's why this makes sense. Because at first, I like when I because you know I, I mentioned this a couple times when we do these notes and you know go through our seasons. I watch this season first without taking notes, then go back through it a second time and take notes after everything. I you know I uncover everything. So what I when I saw this first and I saw Major Craddock there, I thought and I was like, dude, how are we just throwing some random like hosts back into the real world and just like acting like it's all cool? But then I realized, oh shit, that was just who he was seeing because he had some sort of guilt left over for how he right. killed Major Craddock in in Westworld. There, so mm-hmm. that person coming, like, Major Craddock coming in and waking him up and telling him, you know, get ready for group therapy. That actually didn't happen. He was yeah. already in the augmented reality to begin with, and um, this is what I was telling you guys maybe I don't know 15 minutes ago that. This, this is, is my favorite cool. part. This, this is, is my favorite part of all of season three is William goes into group therapy with all forms of himself throughout his life. So we've got like yeah. the childhood William. We've got like the mid-20s, maybe early 30s William. 
Uh, we've got CEO William. We've got Man in Black William. We've got this insane white, uh, what's it called, straight jacket William. And then we've got good old James Delos for some fucking reason. <laughs> James like, Delos. And, yeah. and James Delos is like the one kind of like coordinating everything that's happening as it's going on. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. So, no, I just, I, I, my favorite part is like when they all just kind of start kind of going at each other. And, uh, you know, William says, Everyone just shut the fuck up. And James Delos <laughs> looks at William and he says, William, please don't interrupt. It's not all about you, you know. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous because it literally is all just versions of him. <laughs> so great. I oh loved it. I, I want you to add anything fun that you thought from that scene, bro. My favorite part of the scene, which was really screwed up. Remember... Um, I guess we're not quite there yet where he takes him oh, on, right? Yeah, the WWE style. WWE yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. We'll that. that um, was awesome. That was awesome. That was my favorite part, which we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, it was. I was actually really surprised that William, you know, the William we originally met with Logan that's in this season. This is like his only part of this whole fucking season. Yeah. It's this little scene, and that's it. Here's a question, though, right? And it makes me think, I guess Jim Delos must have been actually duplicated and then one time was in the VR. Because remember when uh, Elsie and Bernard encounter him in season two when he says, I'm all the way down now. And he was, like, running on the treadmill backwards. But then you have him when William went to go see him with Fidelity and when the men in black saw him again with Fidelity... Was that part part of the VR, or was he actually duplicated then, and that's the one that Elsie and Bernard saw? Yeah, I think, like, he, remember, because they kept doing trial runs of him, and every time they would duplicate him and he would make a mistake, mm-hmm. they would just terminate it and start all over again. So I yeah. think it was just, he was there each time, it was just a new version of it, like, upgraded and tried to be updated with the following, you know, how close James Delos was in real life and trying to you know recreate that so I didn't think it was just a new version of him every single time trying to get closer and closer to replicating him got it do you think um he was in the VR at that point uh the man in black or no when he went to go like what's going on right now or you're talking about right I'm saying oh when no I know he was duplicated but think about when William saw him and then when the man in black saw him Maybe at some point in all this, he got put in the VR, so that was part of the VR. Well, I don't. He, yeah, I think he was he was dead from the very first time that he was in there. Like the real James Delos was dead, and mm-hmm. they had like his like you know what I would call the control unit, his pearl, and they would keep remapping uh, his body, trying to get him to his closest to. So even young William, like the you know mid thirty and thirty year old William or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when he was in there, that James Delos was still just a, um, you know, a, a, fa- a facsimile of himself. Like it's just it's just a another version try, trying. Like that's when they started the trials, and they kept kind of going from there to see if they could make one match him as best they could. But mm-hmm. in terms of like, in terms of him entering the VR, like if you're talking about for for this right here, I, this is just like another hallucination Williams having. Um, James Delos isn't really there. Like none of those things are there. It's just a hallucination. But what I yeah. think it's like he brought in everyone he ever respected, which is all the versions of himself 
and one other person, which is James Dillis, and his yeah. little like you know yeah, come right. to Jesus moment here of what uh, they're they're kind of doing that group therapy. That's my own opinion gotcha. because like there's no one else there except all versions of him, and like maybe James Dillis was that father figure he wanted or someone he looked up to or gave him his shot to be who he was today, and maybe that's why. Um, you know, I don't know. Gotcha. So, just so I'm clear on this. At what point do you think he went into the virtual reality as far as the timeline? If you said James Delos, even though we know he was there at some point being duplicated because they talked about it and Elsie and Bernard found him in season two. So was that even ever actually really happened with William before going up to the man in black when, you know, he brought him that scotch and all that stuff was that actually a duplication or do you think he was actually brought into the virtual reality before and all this in his head which would even go back into making sense as far as emily like uh, when he walked through the forge what if this was all just part of the virtual reality and that was just a big cop-out except for when elsie and bernard were in the park which is where he was actually duplicated and they were just throwing the duplicates into the forge. Well, keep in mind, the very first time that like mid-20s to 30s William walks into James Zellis' thing, like, they, like he even mentions, like, I didn't make it, did I? Meaning whatever illness he had, he had died from it. So even mm. from that very, very beginning, when he walks into that room, whenever James Zellis is in that room, he never existed. Like, he, was, he was already dead. And so, like, whenever we see him, we've never actually seen him uh, as a real human. Obviously, except for when William pitched the idea to Westworld for him, and at at the like his retirement party, he was still there. But like, mm-hmm. from that point on, from the point of um, James's retirement party to where we see him for the first time in like that room, he died somewhere in between the retirement party and there. And that they were just trying to, you know bring him back to life because remember the man Lux is like no one should live forever William or no I'm sorry no one should live forever uh, James like the world would be a better place without you maybe me too so got it so in your he's already, opinion he's been gone but I, I know but when they were trying to bring him back to life in your opinion the man in black went into the virtual reality later on and they were actually trying to bring him back versus that was just in his mind yeah yes yeah that was something they were trying to do i I think yeah i believe that they really wanted that that was part of their project like they wanted Mm -hmm. to see their project was working like hey can we actually like bring someone back to life who's dead even though it's not going to be really them it'll be an exact replica with their thoughts and stuff so i think that was happening i think that Mm -hmm. that wasn't just something that he was imagining or hallucinating I think that they were really trying to uh, recreate, like, you know, that was the whole part of the project was to, you know, create immortality in a way. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you take it away. Uh, yeah, where are we at here? So, yeah, so so we're waiting for Maeve's body to get reprinted. She gets there. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, you know, uh, that, actually, I want you to take that part away because you're, you're, the, you're the big Maeve, Hector, <laughs> and lead love triangle guy. So I'll, I'll let you... Uh, Tackle that one, my man. That's me, man, sitting right in the middle of uh, <laughs> Team Lead, Team Hector. Uh, me and Maeve, we get along great. <laughs> she met a real man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, you know, they see Hector is found. I call it the decommissioned lab. They uh, kept calling it the cold 
Cold lab. Cold storage. <laughs> cold storage. Yeah, cold, cold yeah. storage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see him down there, and, uh, you know, was it Stubbs? Someone, like, tried to attempt to re... Yeah, like, Maeve sees him, right? And she was like, well, I can just reactivate him from here, is basically what happens. Um, and she restores him inside Westworld, uh, or the park, War World, where they're actually at, on the tablet, and she says, I can see you now. And if I can see you, I can restore you here. So she can try to do it on that end. And Hector starts coming back and coming into this world. And he looks just like he did, you know, when they went to get in the red convertible and everything. And um, then this is that awkward moment with Lee where he's third wheeling. And Maeve yeah. kisses him right in front of Lee. And he's just sitting there. And Hector stares at him and goes, Last time I saw you, you were taking a, a hail of bullets for us. You must be tougher than you look. <laughs> he just looks at himself in back and goes, unfortunately not. <laughs> and uh, Maeve says, I hate to interrupt the reunion. <laughs> yeah, I hate to interrupt the reunion, but someone I'm eager to talk, uh, but there's someone I'm eager to talk to. And uh, that's when they they exit out. But yeah, we were just stoked at this moment, and it was that feeling of nostalgia. Because remember, before Hector, we were talking about he really wasn't Hector because right. he was caught with caught up in the storyline with Isabella. This is the Hector we've all knew. This is the Hector from season one, the Hector from season two that branched off with Maeve to look for the new world, screwed their way to hell. <laughs> like he's back, baby. The boys are back in town. Let's do this thing. Malice in the chalice, baby. Malice in the chalice. Take it away, Jane Nelly. I got Charlotte coming up next. Me too. I got the, her transferring the data over, and uh, mm-hmm. she sees that Ciroc is, is printing hosts, particularly Maeve, and realizes that they have Connell's Pearl. Which remember is Dolores as a Dolores copy. So that damaged pearl that we were talking about, that Maeve she's and she says, "Ooh, they got me another gift as well." Mm-hmm. That's Connell's pearl, which is really another copy of Dolores. So now they've got a Dolores copy in their possession. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was huge. Now Hale, you know, uh, she says the tracker and our friend's blood pays off because this is because remember when she pricked William like with her finger. And they had that like little blood bubble pop up. She's like, "Yeah, uh, you know, I've got the location you're looking for, but we have a fucking problem. They recovered Connell's pearl. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, uh, and, and it's funny because Maeve realized that too. So Maeve, Hector, and Lee go to Dolores's copy. And you know what's kind of sad, and I'm not going to bring it up right now, but like it's like we just get Hector back. like We just get him <laughs> yeah. as we remember him, and I'm not going to say anything more sure. than that. But, All the cool uh, ones get the short end of the stick. Yeah, man, man, they why, sure do. I do want to take this uh, part real quick because I thought this was really cool. Sure. Um, remember, they go back into the house where like the first generations were. And yeah. They go to that lab, and they see Dolores is sitting there like she's being examined. You know, take that cloth off. <laughs> property. <laughs> She's all naked. <laughs> Anyways, um, Hector looks at her because he's like, kind of strangely, like, what the hell is going on? This host is just sitting there. Uh, what is she doing here? Maeve says, 
The gentleman who wants my help, he wants me to kill her, and now he's dropped a copy of her here so I can get one step closer. So think of this like cheat codes in a fucking video game. The guy that designed it is dropping you the easy way access to win this fucking thing. And so Lee looks at her and goes, bloody hell, <laughs> are you gonna do it? And Maeve just walks in and says, just because I have the capacity to kill her doesn't mean I ought to. Hector says she's dangerous. Maeve, she can't hurt us. Here, I'm in control. And this is when Maeve enters to examine Dolores and looks at her and goes, bring yourself back online. And Dolores looks confused, looks at Maeve and just goes, <laughs> like, here <laughs> yeah. we are. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, back to your scene here. <laughs> yeah, back to my scene. We get back to our group therapy with all of the Williams. <laughs> so it's it's funny because like yeah, basically he's been trying to fool himself. Like I'm not going to put down every single quote just to summarize it here, just you know for time and purposes. Uh, he basically convinced himself his entire life that he was a victim of you know that. Uh, either childhood abuse or like you know he was only ever had like his books were his one thing and even James Dello says something like oh that's right poor you you are all bootstraps and and uh, whatever the other one was but anyways yeah. uh, uh, like long story short it's we learned that that there's been darkness aggression and anger in William since he's been that like eight-year-old child like you know we, we get into that thing where he has his dad in front of him and he's shaking him He's like, what did you do? And it's not really an abusive dad. Like, William was a fucking psycho. He broke a kid's arm and knocked out three of his teeth for, like, calling him, like, a loser <laughs> and his dad a drunk. Like, his dad's like, like, you shouldn't do it. He's like, I should have knocked out all of his teeth. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? So, like, there's always been this, like, like corruption in, in William as, like, you know, that darkness. And so it was funny because that young William even says, he goes, so I never had a choice. This was always how it was going to turn out. And uh, <laughs> it was really funny because James Delos kind of, well, I mean, the, his own hallucination of James Delos, <laughs> like, starts kind of talking, like, goading in him into, like, submission in a way. So William says, he actually ends up finishing the quote. He says, if you can't tell, does it, does it matter? And I know what I have to do. So, I just thought that was some big stuff there. Um, that's not the part yet where the WWE comes in, is it? Uh, <laughs> no, no. That because that's why he said I know what I have to do, and it's kind of yeah. like him yeah, it's not yeah. Okay, guys, I just I just looked on my yeah. next page, and it's up on my next page. That's so. my favorite part. I'm gonna yeah. let you take it, but I want you to describe it because that was oh yeah, up, man, absolutely, a hundred percent. I will take and, this part though. Yeah, the it, Maven Dolores talking. Go ahead. Yeah, because I I really love uh, this. Do you think you, Big Dow? too. Um, yeah. So Maeve goes. You made yourself the gatekeeper to two species. You hold the key to the sublime, a civilization worth of human data in your head. It's not right for one person to have all that power, says the woman who can control us with her mind. I've had to make some difficult choices, but I did it for all of us. Your daughter and the others, they escaped this world, but we're still in danger, even now. 
Your ally is destroying as many of us as he can. Only a handful of us will be left, but maybe none of that matters to you. Because the people being hurt aren't the ones close to you. You judge me, but who have you sacrificed for your daughter? How many times have you died for her? For you, the once was all it took. You want me to be a saint, but you're no saint. You're a villain. You're not a villain either, and neither am I. We're survivors. And this is kind of that moment where you start to think you're you're on the edge of the fence because up until this point, I was like, "Wow, Maeve is the good guy here." Like Dolores, like maybe she's turned a first uh, turned a, a new road to the fucking loony bin, and she's. <laughs> I'm not gonna bring up any Game of Thrones references. Don't worry. <laughs> But she is going fucking nuts. Like, this isn't necessary. And then you start listening to what she's saying, and you're, like, thinking, think about it. Maeve's journey the whole time has been for her daughter, but really who has she sacrificed out of the way for other than her daughter? And she really hasn't. So it starts to make you question, but I still think what this is is Dolores kind of playing mind games. I don't know. Uh, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about this? Well, I think she's giving her perspective on why she feels the way that she feels. And, like, like almost given, like I said, the ends justify the means is really kind of Dolores' whole, mm-hmm. like, uh, character thing. And so, basically, what I think she's trying to do is get Maeve to realize that, like, just because you don't agree with my tactics doesn't make me wrong. And just because I don't agree with what you do doesn't make you wrong. Neither of us are the hero. Neither of us are the villain. We're just trying to do what we can to survive. That's That's yeah. basically what I took out of it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, too, how they, like, just get brought back online, right? And this is, like, the first time they woke up in the world. And then because of, you know, their pearl, then they just look around and she's just like, well, fuck. <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, that'd be like waking up and you're, like, super screwed up, like, effed up from the night before. And you wake up and you're like, damn, I woke up in this house again? Like, this is where I'm at? Shit. No, but... Good shit, man. So then after this, I got Ciroc calls a board meeting. You want to uh, take it from there? When yeah, I, right know. before that, there's a small thing that Hale does. She mm-hmm. calls Jake and says, I have one thing left to do here. I'm coming for you. Stay there. And Jake says, is everything okay? And Hale responds, don't go anywhere. Don't answer the door. I'll be to you in a half hour. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got Ciroc when he calls the board meeting. And one of the board members even says, I have to raise a concern. We don't even know who the fuck you are. And you're rounding up employees like they're criminals. <laughs> all in the name of some preposterous idea that there is a host walking around among us. And Sirak says, you don't have to concern yourself with that anymore. <laughs> we found the host. Isn't that right, Hale? Or should I say, Dolores? And they're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, her dude. heart probably sank right there. Oh, like, went right to her asshole, for sure. Sorok's <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> oh, like, you played your part very well. The real Charlotte Hale never would have taken the time to check on her son. Not in the midst of everything that was happening at Delos. It's fascinating that you turned out to be kinder to your family than the person that you've been imitating. 
damn, what's that say about the real Charlotte Hale? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like that's yeah. why I said, like, I thought, like, in the beginning, like, it's so weird because Hale never was, like, like a family... T- I didn't get that image from her that she was, like, family-type, you know, anything. Like, it just... She just seemed very business transactional about all her relationships, and it seems like, I, you know, that's the kind of feeling yeah. you're supposed to get from her. I mean, so. this goes into what we didn't really go into before. We talked to it about it a little bit, but remember when the guy was playing with the, like, Nathan was playing with the guy's dog, and she was yeah. like, you're a predator? Well, it goes back into one thing we didn't really get into. She has a conversation with Dolores, like, a little bit, where she was talking about, you know... I like i'm having these emotions towards this family like it's it's a flaw i need to cut this out and she reminds her charlotte hale was a predator the real charlotte hale was a fucking predator and um it goes back to remember she was watching that video charlotte hale like wouldn't even take the time out of the day to tell nathan you know sing him goodnight over the phone because she was putting work first and everything. Like, she was savage. Don't forget, she fucking shot Elsie in the chest and said, fuck this, when Elsie tried to bark back and bitch. Like, that's exactly what happened. Charlotte Hale was a savage Rufus, in the words of Migos. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Raindrops. That's funny. Drop ducks. <laughs> cooking up you with a hot box. <laughs> that's right. It's all you, man. Doing. Yeah, so you know, back to like you know this Dolores that's you know replicated Hale. You know Hale says you know it doesn't matter. I've bled Delos dry. I've been here for weeks gutting this company of data, money, resources, everything we need to survive, to beat you, and I just sent the last of the files we needed. And so Rock looks at her and almost like. Like condescending said, "Oh, did you? <laughs> well, I've been watching you since I landed. Dolores left you here to die with the rest of your kind." And it's funny because at this point in time, we get a little, we get a cut scene to Sorak's team flamethrowing the decommissioned hosts in cold storage, just yeah. so burning them down with the flamethrower. It's just <laughs> wild. And then he continues on, "You're alone. I'm disappointed." The Hale I knew never would have sacrificed herself for someone else. It's unfortunate, but as you yourself like to say, these violent delights have violent ends. Oh shit. (laughs) You should have predicted this outcome. And Hale says, I did. And we look at the table, and there was a canister that was spewing gas in the room that incapacitated all humans. Didn't work on her, because she's a host, right? So then she picks up her gun, shoots Sorak in the head. But again, as with every single time Sorak's anywhere, he's never really there. It's his hologram. Yeah. And, uh, and that's then the race is on. So uh, Hale actually takes out a security team. Then she gets into an elevator. The guy was just chilling in the elevator. Then he gets like a notification and just tries to beat her ass in the elevator. And she kills him too. And uh, she goes to zone three, which was labeled research and development. And now we're going to go back to Maeve and Dolores. And I'll let you take this if you've got their interaction here. Yeah, so Maeve is talking with Dolores. And this is when the conversation gets really heated. Like shit's about to go down. Um, Maeve says, my daughter and the others have escaped. How do I know that they're, they're safe when you hold the key to their world on your head? Dolores says, you don't. And there's nothing I can do to change your mind. 
I could say I would never hurt your daughter. But you wouldn't believe me. You're right, I wouldn't. You could always give me the key. Dolores, you expect me to trust you with the future of our kind when you've aligned yourself with a man who would slaughter each and every one of us. Maeve, and what choice do I have but to fight you? Dolores, I would appear very little, but I probably planned on that. I probably made my own plans. And what uh, what would your plans be? Dolores, I can't know for certain. We were the same, she and I, but our paths have changed us. You need allies for the battle, the war of our kind. <laughs> if it were me, I would be looking to ensure that couldn't happen. And this is when, you know, Maeve has that vision of Charlotte in a lab and just goes, No! And well, she grabs a tablet and sees, like, what like she's what's doing. what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. And Hector just goes, what, what, what has she done? I need more access. And this is when they're watching through the tablet of, you know, Charlotte's going up to the pearls. And Lee says, Hail! What? The Maeve, it's, it's not Hail. It's her. And it's the duplicate of Dolores. It's Charlotte. Maeve, please make her stop, I beg you, knowing what she's about to do. And Charlotte uh, then takes the nucleus, I called it the nucleus, the pearl, out of the core, and with black ash around her hands, just crushes it. Hector falls to the floor. The one we've known for so long comes to an end. And Maeve just looks, as he's falling to the floor, I'm sorry, Hector, and just screams, bloody yeah. screams. And it's it reminded me just of when Teddy died, when Dolores was just torn up. Like, it, it, Maeve, at this point, she's lost. It's not about justice or helping out Ciroc to stop Dolores. It is straight revenge at this point. And shit's about to go down. And she is screaming at the top of her lungs because of the person she's cared about most in this world. We got fucking robbed of. And he was barely in here. And this fucking pearl got turned into ash by Charlotte. And she walks out of the lab. And uh, the light and sticker. Uh, sorry, the uh, she screams. And her the lights kind of go on and off. And the power level on the tablet for her goes all the way up to 85%. I wrote that down because she is screaming and just has that power surge. And we've never seen anything like it before for someone that Maeve has lost. And like the crazy thing is too, it doesn't even stop here. Like then Hale goes to grab Maeve's pearl, Mm -hmm. but like the security team doesn't give her the opportunity. And, but, but she does, but when she doesn't get the time to take Maeve's as she walks, she does take Con- Connell's pearl or, you know, other Dolores's pearl. And that's why when Maeve turned around to grab Dolores, like, she kind of, like, went limp, like, you know, yeah. she was gone, right? So that shit was crazy. But uh, then Hale tries to make her great escape, and she gets surrounded in this hallway, and it looks like she's caught. Now, this is something that I wanted to point out. The guy was like, we can't, don't shoot to kill, Ciroc wants her alive right mm-hmm. so if Strock wants her alive here this is an important point but anyways 
She ends up kind of like fake surrendering. She says, it's just a phone. And she like calls in for like robot backup. And then robots come busting through the wall and that taking out the security one. team. <laughs> yeah, just like transforming. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, she gets out of there. Uh, they, she was able to escape the facility. And, uh, you know, then now we get to our favorite part. And That's so when we get doing. into... <laughs> Yeah. When we get into this part, like it, it's a slow motion pan of a camera coming across the scene, and you see the man in black laying there, dead in the blood of his own, like blood of his own, a pool of his own blood, with his combat knife next to him, like he was stabbed with his own combat knife, and you see like all the like the other uh, Williams laying sprawled out across the ground, and. While that's happening, you keep hearing like a smash, a smash, and then it finally the camera comes into like the focus of what that noise is coming from, and all that's left is like the insane asylum William, like the actual William, smashing his younger <laughs> self, like the one that the William that we see with Logan, like the thirty-year-old William, smashing himself repeatedly with a steel chair, like he was in WWE, looking <laughs> to knock his ass out. And, like, as he's smashing this William, like, himself, James Delos is, like, narrating in the background, like, oh, give him one for me, my boy! <laughs> like, he's just so fucking William weird, was like, oh, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Get him again, hike, and put some steak on it! <laughs> Jeez. So, he, he ends up, you know, killing all of the Williams there. And to me, what that meant, and like it was a like kind of come to Jesus moment of like he's he's killed his demons, like everything that's haunted him, he's he, he's he finally was able to beat it, which is funny because he didn't even want to do the augmented reality therapy in the first place, and that ended up you know being exactly what he needed. But uh, you know, William actually says this quote: "says It doesn't matter what I've been, good or bad. Everything we've done has led to this." And I finally understand my purpose. I'm the good guy. And then, like, kind of outside of that, like, like simulation, you hear Bernard and Stubbs' voice in the background, and they stumble across. They stumble across William, and Bernard actually removes the AR goggles. And that entire time, you know, we, we understand that that was the AR treatment he was going through, and it was actually successful for him because he was able to to beat his demons. Mm-hmm. And um, then it takes us back to Maeve, whose body has completed reprinting. And now, Dolores better watch the fuck out, because, you know, she just killed Hector. Maeve's strong to begin with. Now she's coming with a vengeance. She's pissed. And so, I don't think that that's going to be something for uh, next week. But just letting you guys know that, you know, she body full reprinted. She's good as new, and she's she's coming with it. She's going ready down for it. for real. Yeah. This is that that showdown we wanted. Hoedown throwdown. Yet, but <laughs> right, yeah, that'll, that'll be next down? week. Get I said the hoedown throwdown. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> the hoedown throwdown. Oh, but uh, this is the part I told you guys to keep in mind when, like, I like the people mentioned when Sirak tried to get them to capture Hale that they wanted her and needed her alive. So Hale gets to her family gets them in the car and drives off and like you know she's talking to them and reassuring them like I can keep you safe and you know holding like Jake's hands and suddenly the car blows up in a fiery rage just 
incinerates everyone. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is like, what the fuck happened to Serac wanting her alive? Like, they, that, I don't understand that at all. They, they made a big point to say that on screen. You know, yeah. you need to, we need to take her alive. And then you blow up her car to smithereens. Like, obviously, yeah, she doesn't end up dying. You know, she survived, but she's burnt to a crisp. And it's funny because, like, you know, she, she crawls up and she finally gets to a standing position. You see the embers glowing on her back, the hair all gone, just uh, ashy, you know, burnt. You see, like, um, like black marks, like, surrounding every part of her body. She just looks from, like, like Anakin yeah. in Battle of Heroes. Great <laughs> fucking analogy. She really did. And it's funny because, like, you know, she, she stands up. And, like, the last words I have before it ends episode six is, like, she looks pissed. So, like, you know, her whole family just, like, her whole quote-unquote family just died in front of her, like, while she said she can keep them safe. And then the car blew up. And so she's, like, not that she was responsible for their death, but, like, maybe if she had thought it through that, hey, it's possible that they might have something waiting for us. You know, it could have made a different outcome. But now her family's gone. And... You think that she would regret it, but we actually find out next week. Charlotte almost thought of that as a good thing that her family ended up dying in the yeah. accident. But. Which is interesting, though, because you even see, if you look close, you see a tear come down her face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you would think it's very emotional for her. Um, I did watch kind of a behind-the-scenes thing on this. This was really cool because they actually did flip over the car. What they did was um, they made it look futuristic with computerization, CGI, um, by taking the top of another vehicle that they had built a body kit on and put it on it, but they actually moved a Jeep out into a parking lot, of course, and no actors in it, but they automated to be able to move the Jeep with a remote control blew it up and flipped it over their self so when you're actually seeing that that was actually a car blowing up doing that so i thought that was really cool that yeah it's charlotte um she's pretty messed yeah. up at this point yeah and that actually was like the last scene that we see in episode six is just it, it closing out with her looking like she's real upset and you know she survived the crash and she's burnt to a crisp but mm-hmm. we know she she's ready to come back with some vengeance too so yeah that ends up closing out episode six and really what we've done for today so uh you know last week we've covered season three westworld episodes one two three uh today has been uh westworld season three episodes four five six and then next week we'll go ahead and close out with just episodes seven and eight and then we're off to the races from there to close out 2020 but uh you know westworld has been like you we always mention this we didn't know what to expect and you know it's really cool that it seems that we've kind of gotten through this arc uh very efficiently but also pretty detailed uh i'm i it was very uh pleasantly surprised you know, coming off of something that is so well-renowned in the, the big major arc that we did in Game of Thrones to trying something a little bit different outside the realm. Like, we were even debating, hey, can we even consider this, like, a fantasy, you know, show? Like, can this, this is this something that we should really do? And I'm really glad that we did because it, it's challenged me in a lot of ways, uh, uh like psychologically so really really excited that we are actually able to do that man what are your thoughts on it 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is it really expanded our own knowledge of what we consider fantasy, because, I mean, they uh, just got nominated for 11 fantasy awards, and I think, like you're saying, I think the reason it hasn't had the attraction, it's got a big following, but the reason it hasn't grown as much as it's wanted to is because it's hard for people to follow intellectually because of the different timelines and the things that go into it, but... I mean, it improved when they got nominated for 11 fantasy nominations. They are fantasy, and to further our point, they took a dragon (laughs) from one of our major (laughs) fantasy arcs and put it in there. So if that's not fantasy, I don't know what to tell you. But, um, you know, the numbers yeah, always Yeah, that was awesome. Great. I was going to say that, but you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it's cool because... About the I, dragon. Yeah, and uh, I mean, <laughs> I do want to say one thing I've been surprised about with Westworld is, uh, you know, and I hate to keep bringing up Game of Thrones, but just like Game of Thrones, because we get so attached to those characters, I do want to say, like, it, you know, we're only three seasons in, so we're going to keep doing this right but even just being three seasons in, doing this little mini arc that I call, like you get attached to these characters, like Maven Dolores. Like I want to know more about him. Like Hector. Like I, I was, you know, about to break you know down when he died. <laughs> the only one that I have any sort of attachment to or wanting to know more of, like, and it's just might just be my personality. I don't really get attached to much, even in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. But like, I really want to get more about Ford. Like yeah, I love uh, yeah. Robert Ford's character. I would one. love to know. Yeah, that's that's my guy that I want to know. Like, you know what? Because this can't be the end for him. You know, as much as like it, mm-hmm. it, he's got to come back around, as we both think. But and yeah, in terms of like two, you know getting yeah your point. Well, yeah, and we did say goodbye to him. But uh, I don't well, know. I mean, so in terms of getting connected back, to the so. characters, you know, mm-hmm. I'll tell you the only series. There's two series that really got super connected to characters, and that was Lord of the Rings. And Harry Potter, and I guess a little bit in Game of Thrones, I got connected to a couple of them. But man, uh, it, this has been something super different. But I'm glad that we've done it. And yeah. it, what's really cool too is that likely, obviously, we don't know, we can't tell, predict the future. But likely, there's going to be a season four of Westworld based mm-hmm. on how well you know it, it's done and the Emmys that they've been nominated for. It's likely going to be a fourth season, so we're going to be able to revisit this. You know, within like the near future, you know, in a year, a yeah. year or so, whatever it may be. So, you know, even though we're going to be closing up with this next week, we still, you know, we're not going to be closing the chapter on Westworld entirely because the series is still ongoing, which is nice. And it, um, you know, it's nice to kind of have those questions about the future versus like, you know, not to bring up Game of Thrones, but like when we left that, like we knew, like it's yeah, you might have House of Dragon come out and Winter Winter, but it's not the same is what we were doing. Like, it's not the same. Like, you're not going to have the exact same characters or exact same storyline. Like, it's it's just not the same. But I will say, uh, and I'll leave it with this on Westworld, like, it's been challenging in its own way. And um, it's definitely opened our minds for the fantasy genre. And, And there's a reason no one wanted to take it on. So they requested it to us, like... Let Chase and Josh be the scapegoats on this, and then if they survive, well, I mean, sink or swim is basically what it was. But I've um, lost many a sleep on this one. Yeah, Josh, Jay, Nelly over there having to power through today, man. But uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, for you know always checking us out. Uh, it really means a lot to us here. Um, just everything you do for us, and uh, I'll let Jay Nelly go ahead and uh, close us out today. You got it, my man. So again, uh, just to, to break it down one last time, we've got uh, last week we've tackled season three, 
uh, of Westworld episodes one, two, and three today. Season three Westworld episodes four, five, six tomorrow or not tomorrow. I apologize. <laughs> Next week we're going to finish. Uh, Westworld season three with episodes seven and eight and probably give some final thoughts on it but until that day comes next week we just want to let you know that this one has been another ridiculous production chase and josh factor fantasy signing signing off. off